Blog Talk Radio. Raphael just had an interview, and I thought he explained it fairly well 
and I'm kind of sitting where he was, that the blame, it's not really one, you know, they, they just couldn't come to terms, you know, whether it was, it was really like the second fight, it sounds like, you know, uh, they were willing to give him uh, Charlo if, in fact, he fought David Benavides or Crawford next. They were willing to give him Munguia, um, but that's not what um, the list of potential opponents were. Um, I guess the list was both Charlo brothers and Spence. And I, I actually looked for the screenshot. Somebody actually called this last summer. And, and, and if you guys remember, if someone's listening and they called it, they tweeted it, that they said the three-fight deal is, is both Charlo brothers and Spence. That's what they said. They called it exactly right, or at least that's what's being reported on. That's the three uh, opponents that um, Canelo thought he was, uh, you know, going to face. And it, and it came down to, well, it's either Charlo or I'm not going to fight May, you know, that type of thing. Um, like I said, which is in his right. I mean, we already knew Canelo fights who he wants to fight. You know, he agreed to terms with the PBC thinking it was – this list of fighters and not that list of fighters, you know, uh, it sounds like Benavidez Crawford and uh, Munguia wasn't on that list. So it was a dispute. They decided to move on. Um, now, you know, the guarantee money that many people were talking about there turned out not that they didn't, you know, turned out that that wasn't the issue as far as guarantee. Now, if it was just going to be Charlo, there is some reporting saying that they didn't want to pay him that guarantee. Not that they didn't have money to guarantee because they offered him even more for Benavidez and Crawford. So, you know, the people that are celebrating him leaving PBC to go fight on zone, I guess zone pay-per-view. So, okay, you're not on a pay-per-view. You're going to dump on the Charlo fight when it gets announced, and rightfully so. But then you're going to turn around and be happy that it's on the zone pay-per-view against Berlanga? Like, those people just really make me laugh. And also, like, yeah, I don't see too many media members saying that, but the part-time media members, the YouTube channels, they were saying, I mean, to be happy about that, like, I understand there's PBC fanboys out there. I get it. Um, there hasn't been this PBC fanboy in the media, though, whereas prior there was a lot more anti-PBC in the media. There's less now, um, but it's funny. Some of these folks will make fun of fanboys from the PBC, but then they behave like fanboys. I mean, if you're happy with the Berlanga fight, so ben, why did Benavides have to fight other people? So who is Berlanga beaten is my point. I can see the Munguia. That's for sure. I can see that fight. He's now fought, you know, two credible fights in a row. Um, he had a good, really great performance against Ryder. So. And by the way, it sounds like Heyman was willing to give him that fight. Their biggest fight was, if we give you Charlo, because we feel like we're going to lose some money on it, we want you to fight Benavides. Or don't fight Charlo and fight Munguia. And Canelo went on his way, you know. Um, but if the money wasn't there, the escrow, then Canelo can 
file a lawsuit. I mean, if that's the case, right, and that's what people are running with, okay, then he can follow, you know, file a lawsuit just like he did to get out of his Golden Boy contract. He, he filed a lawsuit, and he got out of the contract. So um, they were amending the contract. There's two fights left. They amended it. He made some offers to him, uh, Al Heyman, the PBC side, and they were denied. So he has every right to leave because he feels like, Canelo feels like, well, that's not who I, you know, was saying I was going to fight, which I totally get. Like I said, two things are we already knew, but it's kind of an ongoing thing. And they kind of blend together a little bit, but Canelo chooses who he wants to fight, period, point blank. That's just how it goes. Okay, and look at how long it took for the Golovkin three fight for the zone to get right, because that was his choice. He had, he's in the pole position. Two, and I've been saying this recently. There was a space that there was a debate about this. I got messages about this, and every time I've brought it up, I've gotten messages about it. Right? You can't force a fighter. Two things. You can't force a fighter to fight, and you can't guarantee a future fight. Now, you can say, hey, I agree to terms. I agree that I'll fight, quote-unquote, Benavidez, because Dan said that they wanted to guarantee that he'd fight Benavidez. Or, or, or uh, well, it wouldn't be a guarantee, but you could agree to terms. But once that fight, the, the Charlo fight would be done, then it's a new contract, and then you sign the contract. Think about, and they had a rematch clause in there, but think about Joshua and AJ. They didn't just go right and sign, sign the contract right away. There was a little negotiation, right? So you can't guarantee future fights because that person could just retire, right? Or things happen. Look at Spence. Spence was supposedly on the list, right? Well, look what happened, dude. He got his ass kicked, right? So he wasn't going to – that wasn't going to be a fight they made, not at least in September. So I don't know. Um, so, yeah, it is what it is. We're going to talk a little bit more detailed about that. But like I said, I can see both sides. You know, Canelo, for whatever reason, you know, didn't want to fight Crawford. Well, he said why he didn't want to fight Crawford. Uh, he didn't say why he didn't want to fight Benavides, other than the three-fight agreement that he had with the PBC didn't involve Benavides. And I got to admit, I was duped, okay? Most of us thought that, well, if you're going to sign with the PBC, that means the Benavides fight's there, right? Now, I got to give credit to the folks that says, even though they got a three-fight deal, one of them's not going to be Benavides. And like I said, I got to find that screenshot to give somebody credit. I don't remember who it is, but they literally said Charlo, Charlo Spence. That's who they said. And we don't know if that's a 100% fact, but it kind of sounds like that was it. But like I said, we know why he said, he said about Crawford that he didn't want to fight a smaller guy coming up. Like a, like not necessarily small, but you know, a smaller weight, not, height and whatever, because we know Canelo's short, but, you know, it is what it is, right? I don't know, but wouldn't that be Jermel 
And Spence, I mean, Spence would be coming up from 47. And Mel, which we didn't really know he was in the contract because, remember, it was Jamal that was supposed to get that fight. Then they said they switched it out. So that was news to me for sure. You know, I guess we don't know for sure. But there's back and forth and, you know, Samson Boxing says one thing. Eddie Reynoso says the other thing. Benavides Sr. says another thing. We're going to talk it all the way through, but um, at least there's some closure so both sides can kind of just move on and do what they're going to do. That That's what I do appreciate about the situation that, you know, it won't be constantly talked about anymore. I mean, you know, it will be, but not to that level. At least there's closure, and, and that's that's good so we can get back to – you know, what was a pretty damn good weekend? Like I said, Nakatani, um, Santiago's no easy fighter. Like I mentioned, he you can't look at his record and, and judge him fully on that. Uh, Nakatani handled his business. I was very impressed. Berlanga looked kind of mediocre for a little bit, but to his credit, he did start landing that jab fairly strong, right? And uh, and doing his thing, you know. So I thought that was pretty impressive. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Like I said, we will um, – we should be joined here fairly soon by Antonio Vargas. Should be coming up here um, any moment here. Um, should be – he said he's going to call in here soon. So – Anyway, um, you know, let, let's start getting into it because there are there are other items. Obviously, um, Tank Davis and Frank Burton. It sounds like that's a done deal. Um, some really interesting news that it kind of makes sense if 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 uh, you know Crawford's not able to get that Canelo fight that he would go the WBO route. It sounds like he's going that, and I don't mean 147. Uh, Benavides has a new opponent, or has an opponent, I should say, um, and that's going to kind of put him in line for mandatories at both 168, 175. I actually think it's a good move. Um, and then, you know, we'll talk about where everybody goes after that. You know, now that, like I said, there is some clarity. We know uh, Canelo's plans fully now, and we also now know that, you know, if we talk about Charlo, he either has his mandatory with uh, Carlos Adamas, which I think would be a good fight, or, you know, drop the belt and go up and fight Caleb Plant and then try to maybe set up a Benavides fight if you can look good in the ring. But Benavides does have a plan, which I like. Um, and, and there's a variety of other items that we'll get to as well. Like I said, I think I mentioned Amanda Serrano's and Jake Paul's fight this weekend, too. Um, Serrano is all action, you know, all the time. Uh, super fun to watch, obviously. So, um, if this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope Dope Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope Dope and download the show directly there. You can find this here, Rope Dope radio podcast under Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Player FM, download the podcast app, 
Pod Bay, Pod Tail, just basically Google Rope and Dope Radio while you're at it. Why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com, Phil Boxing and Eastside Boxing. One more thing from DirecTV Stream. DirecTV Stream was named the best streaming service of 2023, according to Rolling Stone. The best all-around streaming service. Choose the DirecTV streaming service that's right for you. The package, the entertainment package, the choice, the ultimate. Either way, enjoy your live TV and streaming apps all in one place. Get premium TV access to all your streaming apps via home internet connection. Uh, Go to DirecTV Stream. Okay. Let's go ahead and bring in Antonio Vargas, who just came off a great, great performance. He showed, you know, his skill. He showed his power. He showed his heart. Um, it was a, it was the best fight of last weekend, and I'm not just saying that because he's on the show. Let's go ahead and bring him in. Let me unmute him real quick. What's going on, Antonio? How you doing, man? Hey, how's it doing, man? It's great to be on uh, on the radio. Yeah, man. I really appreciate you taking time out, man. And, man, I'll tell you what, your phone must have been going crazy after that fight because uh, that was a hell of a fight, man. I mean, like I said, I think it was the, the fight of the weekend because this was just all action back and forth What exactly, you know, what the fans pay to see, man. How, how you doing? I bet your phone was blowing up. No, yeah, man, I'm still uh, getting back to people, um, you know, on the Instagram and, you know, the Facebook and stuff like that, man. I had a lot of friends calling me, um, you know, so uh, I'm glad, though, man. I got a lot of support for this fight. It was in my hometown. I'm just, uh, I'm happy, man, because, you know, I got the victory. And uh, like you said, it was definitely the fight of the night. Yeah, I mean, it's not even close, man. That was, we knew on paper that it was going to be a good test, a good fight, but, you know, that's on paper. You get in the ring, and uh, like I said, great fight. We'll get into some of those details in just a little bit, kind of talking our way through, um, you know, that fight. But first and foremost, anytime I've had a guest on the show, I kind of like to go back to the basics, right, and kind of, you know, where it all started, what brought you to the ring, some major influences, you know, whether it's your trainer or a father, or just a mentor, whatever, but let's talk about what originally brought you into the ring, because we know boxing is a rough sport, man, and not everybody can do it, although, you know, people at home will sit there and think they can do it, but what brought you to the sport, and about what age uh, were you, Antonio? I started boxing when I was nine years old, and the reason for that, um, my my the teacher Mish uh, shut up. So I remember her having a, a meeting with my father, and they're like, "Yo, your, your kid is out of control. He's too hyper." And so <laughs> they had talked to my father, and I was in a meeting in the principal's office, and uh, they're like, "Hey, man, your kid has ADHD. So you know, we advise you to put him on some medication to kind of keep him calm." So my dad was like, "All right, you know, we'll, we'll put him on the the ADHD pills and stuff like that." And uh, the next week, man, he just put me in boxing. And a week later, they're like, man, you know, the, the, the pills are working. And my dad was like, no, man, like, he's a kid, man. Most kids are naturally happy. They just need to burn energy. And he put me in boxing because of that. And I kind of fell in love with the sport, just the training, you know, the fighting. 
and uh, that was the start of it all, man. <laughs> it was because of my teacher. <laughs> she uh, didn't want to mm-hmm. put me on medication to kind of keep me calm. You know, we see that so often nowadays and in the last couple decades where it seems like that's the first place uh, principals, teachers, nurses, doctors, they just go right to that. And it's like, well, hold on. Like you said, man, I mean, you know, especially young boys, you know what I mean? We got a lot of energy in us. And uh, I'm glad that you found the ring, though, man, because you had that outlet. You got some steam off and whatnot and and. What are kind of the major influences as you started boxing, as you started to think, man, I'm going to, I'm going to start to compete. How long were you in the gym, you know, training? And then you're like, I can actually do this. I want to, I want to become an amateur. I want to start to train. And and maybe some of the, the major influences, whether it's in the gym or a boxer you were admiring or, or, or whatever, what were kind of the things that led you to having, you know, an amateur career like you did? Man, it, it was just a hunger to, to win. And, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of other sports like, you know, football, basketball, and baseball. You kind of rely on teammates to, to get the job done. And, you know, if, if somebody lags, you know, somebody, you know, you might have a better player on the team. And um, just dedication, like with boxing, like, you know, um, it was kind of like an all-in sport. You don't have to count on anybody, you know, as long as you're training and doing that. It was It was more like a worry about self and you don't have to worry about, you know, the harder you train, the more you get out of it. And that was right there, man, that, that kind of, uh, led me to, uh, just to love the sport and, you know, my first win, uh, you know, just the feeling of winning felt good. And I think, uh, I think like my fifth fight, I went to the ringside world. It was in Kansas city. Uh, and I fought four days straight and I won my first belt. I think I had like 10 fights at that time. And that just motivated me, man, just to keep winning. And I was nine, and then, you know, little by little, I started winning, you know, jail tournaments. Then when I got in my teenage years, I started winning nationals, you know, silver gloves, golden gloves. Um, and then, you know, little by little, man, once I made the uh, the team, you know, the Olympic team, that right there, that kind of put me on a, you know, a whole different platform right there, um, you know. And I'm like, man, I was able to, uh, you know, reached the highest pedigree as an amateur, you know, I was a little sad because I didn't medal. I wanted a medal. Um, but I'm like, okay, you know, I've done everything I can, you know, an amateur. So let me go to the sport, of, you know, let me go to the pros and, you know, do it all over again, just, you know, win the world titles. So that that was kind of what got me, man. It, it wasn't really, I wouldn't say nobody influenced me. It was just something right. just to get better and self-reflection. And, and that's what kind of got me just better version of myself. Yeah, man. I, I, you know, I actually wrestled, and the individual part that you mentioned really resonated with me because sometimes, you know, I was a little skinny dude, and sometimes in the team sports, it was like, well, you're too little to play this position of football, or you're this or that, you know. I like the one-on-one. If I beat this guy, I got the starting spot. Um, so I, I did, and then there was weight classes too, so that that helped out with the size and whatnot, but. Yeah, I definitely resonate to that. And like you said, it's either you get all the blame or all the, you know, all the fame, right? You get, it's either one. There's really, it depends on you. And let's talk about, like you said, that, that amateur pedigree, it went deep, man. I mean, the Pan Am Games in 2015, flyweight gold medal. I know you said you'd like to advance more, but, hey, 2016 Summer Olympics. And, you know, getting beat by – you know, someone in the Olympics, that's no big deal, but especially a fighter from Uzbekistan. 
which we know pedigree they bring uh, to the ring at the amateur level. We'll see if it translates as much to the pros as it has in the amateurs. But kind of take us through those those two experiences, whether it's travel, you know, what it did for your life, your the motivation, just knowing, all right, dude, this is this is it. But um, I mean, the round of sixteen, man, that not a whole lot of people say that in the whole wide world, man. Uh, yeah, man, that was definitely um, the beginning, man. W- once I won the uh, the Pan American Games, that would because uh, I, I was uh, I was open. So um, before that, I was on the uh, youth team. It was seventeen, eighteen, uh, you know, in my weight class, uh, age group, and stuff like that. And that's when I first started traveling. I think I won my first gold medal when I was seventeen. Um, you know, I fought four different countries. I think it was uh, and it was in Ukraine. Um, so I'm like, okay, I, I know I got the talent to keep on, you know, and keep on going. And then when uh, I qualified for the Pan American Games, I fought in Mexico. I fought four different uh, countries in Mexico. Uh, I won gold, and that's what qualified me to go for the Pan American Games. And same thing with the Pan American Games, I fought four different countries, and then I fought Cuba in the final, and I won. And that, you know, I, I placed gold in that. And, and once I won the, the Pan American Games, that like that kind of like um, – it, it it blew me up in a sense where like everybody knew who I was, um, you know everybody was like, man, this kid is gonna be the 114, uh, you know United States Olympian for you know for you know for 2016, and then you know uh, making a team for 2016, man, it was hard because I had to beat everybody in the U.S. again, um, and then I had to go overseas, um, and I lost my first qualifier, man, the, the guy I fought in the Pan American Games. Uh, I, I lost to him. Uh, man, it was actually the first fight. I, I thought I won, but I guess, you know, some judges look at different styles, so he was trying to box me a little bit more, and, you know, uh, you know, they, they gave it to him. So that was in Argentina, the, the first qualifier. So I had to go um, after that one. It was like two months later. I think it was in Azerbaijan. Uh, so I traveled to that one. That was, uh, that was six days I fought, man. I fought against six different countries, and – I, I I got silver in that right there, but you know all that for that one there was a lot more countries, so I had to place in the top five and I got second place for that one. So once I won in the second qualifiers, I locked in my spot to to go to uh, Brazil, and uh, you know it was just a lot of traveling, man. You know we stayed at the I lived at the OTC um, in Denver, Colorado Springs uh, for about eight months. We train for like two months, and then we go to different countries, you know, get different sparring, you know, stuff like that. And it was just on and off, man, until we went to the Olympics. And, uh, you know, the Olympics, you know, I lost, you know, the second round. I beat Brazil the first the first, uh, the first, first round. And uh, the second round, I lost to Uzbekistan. And he he actually won the gold medal uh, in my weight class. And, uh, you know, I was a little sad that I didn't medal, but, you know, he was a better man, man. He, you know, he beat me and uh, – you know, just the experience, man, just traveling the team, man, just seeing different styles. That's all definitely um, has helped, you know, the experience and, you know, has shaped my, 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 my style. Um, so when, when I fight even the pros, you know, a lot of these styles that I see, uh, most of them I, I've already seen. So it makes it a lot easier to adapt uh, when I get in the ring. Yeah, I mean, that just the, all that stuff you just explained, man, talking about grinding and getting it, you know, out of the mud like the like the youth of today say, man. I mean, losing to a you know a guy that's going to win the the whole thing, beating a Cuban. I mean, th- that's that's crazy. Like if, if people don't know those two backgrounds, 
you know, yeah, the U.S. has a great background, too. There's other countries that do, of course, but Cuba and Uzbekistan, man, that, that's, that's a lot of respect. And it is, I mean, you really had to, you had to really earn that, man. Um, so congratulations on that. That's an accomplishment, you know, in itself. And uh, a lot of, a lot of time, a lot of effort. And uh, like you said, I mean, that is the difference. You know, some, some boxers can't really switch from that amateur to the pro. We know the amateur style is changing a little bit. Uh, it's not as point system as it was, but still, um, a lot of top guys, you know, will come in and, and, and it'll take them a while. Um, how is that transition? Because obviously you see you, you fighting last Saturday, and we'll talk about the details of that because I, I loved a variety of things that you did, taking your time, coming in with that high guard, picking your shots, going to the body and all that. But how long did it take you to kind of transition from – you know, that, that amateur style to the pro style, or did you kind of feel like your style in the amateurs was going to translate quicker than, than most? No, man, my case, it, it took me a little longer, man. It took me almost, uh, it took me almost two years as a pro to, uh, to get comfortable, um, as a, as a professional, because it's a different pace. You get to, you know, uh, sit on your shots, you know, make them miss, make them pay, you know, set shots up. And I was just so used to being fast, throwing punches and reaction. And uh, it's it, like I said, it took me almost two, three years to, to get really comfortable as a professional because I was just so used to that amateur background. And I'd say within the last, like, you know, couple of years, I've really improved a lot. And now I feel more comfortable because as a fighter, like when I first started as a pro, I, I never felt uh, comfortable exchanging and, and, you know, being on the inside. And letting somebody hit my guard, like I just every time I thought somebody hit my guard, you know, I, I'm, it made it seem in my in my mind that they're hitting me. So I didn't even like getting hit in the gloves. I just, you know, like my offense was my defense. And uh, now, you know, like you know, last Saturday, man, there's times where I'll let guys like hit my gloves and I'll try to block and just to wear them down and you know gauge their power, the distance and stuff like that. And uh, you know, it's I'm, I'm still growing, man. I'm still learning. Uh, but it, it took me, man, it, it took me a while to get comfortable uh, to the professional style, uh, at least to the style that I have right now. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting way to to say that. It, it makes sense, too, because, you know, you're so worried, you know, not to give away points, too, because it's such a key thing in the amateurs. But let's talk about that fight, you know, that you had um, over the weekend um, with Rodriguez, um, Jonathan Rodriguez. First round, things are going pretty good. Um, and then late in that round, talk us through what happened when he landed that right hand. Yeah, man, I'm I'm still mad about that. <laughs> it's uh, man, <laughs> I knew um, you were going to say that. Yeah, no, I'm still mad, man. I, I got hit with a shot that, it was my fault. Um, I, I seen the, uh, I see, I, I watched the replay like three, four times already. Um, but basically, in the first round, I was expecting him to press me. I thought he was gonna put more pressure. You know, he did the exact opposite. He was trying to box me, and I, I didn't realize how slow he was. Um, and the first round was a really, really easy round for me. I'm like, wow, I'm gonna pick this guy apart. 
and it was the last, like, five seconds of the round, I got a little overconfident. I'm like, you know what? This guy's slow. Um, and I actually trained. Man, when I seen the video, I'm like, man, why did I do that? I trained to, uh, you know, high guard and keep my hands up because I knew this guy had, had, had an overhand right. Like, I, I've, I've seen videos. I've, I've, I've actually sparred the guy, too. I sparred him about a year ago. And I'm like, the only tool he has um, is overhand right, you know, that and the hook. But it was mainly his overhand. So I, I knew that going into this fight, and like I said, going to that first round, I, I was it was a really easy first round. I got overconfident, and uh, I'm like, man, let me keep my hand down, because I was kind of walking back a little bit, and he just lunged in and caught me with a with a with a long overhand right that I didn't think uh, he was in reach of, um, and clean, man. And I'm like, when I got up, I was I was smiling because I'm like, man, you caught me with a clean shot, man. That was that was my mistake. <laughs> um, so I definitely learned from it to not to be overconfident, man, and. Uh, I, I I pay for it, man, and it's a lesson that I will uh, make sure that I uh, learn from it, that I never make it again. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, man. I knew you were going to say that. Um, and it, it happens, man. It happens, and, and especially early in rounds, you know, in the fight usually. That can happen. But, you know, you came right back and, uh, you know, scored your own knockdown. Uh, you took a knee. um and, uh, you know, by the end of that round, you could see, you know, he had like a swollen eye kind of bruise. The two-punch combinations, like I said, the jab to the stomach, just the body shots with both hands were really impressive. And, you know, t- take us through, you know, the, the two-point deduction, which was kind of strange because they didn't do it at the time. And then at the beginning of the third round, then they said it. It's kind of kind of uh, confusing there, but you know how they say in football when it's a bang bang play, you know, and it's just like it's hard to to hold back and whatnot. Um, you know, I saw people on Twitter saying, "Oh, he should be disqualified," but the guy had just taken a knee. Sure, it was you know, it was, I understand why you're penalized or whatever, but kind of take take your take us through that because the ref wasn't there. Taking a knee, did it was his knee all the way down? What was kind of going through your head at, at that moment? No, yeah, actually, um, yeah, actually, you know, seeing the replay too, man, and uh, I actually apologized for him, man after the fight. I'm like, hey, bro, um, it was in the heat of the moment. Um, I didn't do it intentionally, man. Cause, right. You know, I know how you know fighters, man. It's uh, boxing, man. It's uh, you have a lot of deaths in the sport, man. It's one of the highest death ratios in the sport, and and as a, as a fighter, man, I respect everybody that I get in there with and um I apologize to the gentleman, hey bro, I'm really sorry for for what I did. Um, you know, um but from my perspective, uh, you know, when I got dropped in that first round, um, going into the second round, the thing that was in my mind, I'm like, I gotta get this knockdown back and the whole round I'm just stalking, I'm like, okay, I I gotta and that was the only th- I gotta I gotta put him down. Um Right. So, you know, towards it was like it was like the last like fifteen seconds of the round or whatever. Uh, and I got him on the ropes, and I'm like, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna unleash, man. This is what I've been training for: uppercut hook, uppercut hook, you know, and, and that closing that distance. And that's where I felt comfortable. And when I was able to do that, I throw combos. So I, you, this fight, I like to throw combos. So right. when I was throwing the combos, I hit it was uppercut hook, hook, uppercut hook, hook. Um, and he went down, and from my perspective, it looked like he was like trying to like fall towards me. So I'm in the middle sure. of a combination, and 
and you know I'm I'm still winding up. So from my perspective, I thought he was falling forward, so I was gonna pick him back up with the uppercut because I didn't know he was gonna go down. Right. And I didn't you know I didn't see him take the knee because usually I've had people when I'm fighting they'll take a knee, but they'll like pull back and take a knee or right, pull to yeah, the side. Exactly. And he actually yep, yep. he. Mm-hmm. He did it in front of me, so right I, like from my, I, I yep. couldn't see his knee, and I'm looking right. at his head, and I literally thought he was coming, like he was about to fall forward towards me. Um, so that was from my point of view, um, and then when I watched the video, I'm like, wow, man, it, looked, it, it did look kind of dirty, and I'm like, wow, I've seen a lot of the comments, <laughs> like, man, this guy should be disqualified, and I'm like, man, bro, I, I didn't mean it like that, you know, and uh, I understand, right. you know, how people felt because the way it looked. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I, I did a post about it. I, you know, um, apologized to him directly right. and, you know, give him that respect as a fighter and, uh, you know, something, uh, you know, heat of, heat of the moment type stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, definitely uh, make sure I, I don't make that mistake again, man, because I don't want to be known as, as a dirty fighter. Right, right. <laughs> That's funny, too. You see the replay, like, oh, actually, hold on. Um, but, you know, it is the heat of the moment, and I was going to mention that, too, the way you said he didn't take a step back or to the side, and generally you see that. But, you know, I like, I respect the fact that you're admitting it, hey, it was a mistake. I didn't mean to do it. You know, that, that that's respectful. And, hey, you did get two-point deduction. The ref didn't go easy on you or anything like that. So, you know, all of a sudden you're thinking, man, I'm doing pretty good in this fight. But if you look at the scorecard, you probably weren't doing that good. So, um, but here's what I really like. Now, he got you maybe with a couple shots after that when you guys were exchanging. But, in, you know, it, maybe you had the mentality that I got to walk this dude down. But you did it with intelligence. You did it with the high guard. You did it with patience. The jab to the stomach, did, you know, punching with both hands. Like you said, hooks, uppercuts timing him, making him miss, and then catching him, or just getting the better um, exchange. You know, you guys would exchange, and a lot of times you partially block it. Um, You know, knowing that you're down on the scorecard now, even though you knocked him down, which, like I said, the ref, um, he probably could have made the call right then and there rather than the next round, but, you know, it is what it is. But, um you know, what was going through your head there? Because, like you said, you want to kind of get back, and usually fighters in general, but especially, you know, guys that are making their way up who don't have a ton of, box, you know, uh, pro experience per se on the higher level. You know, this was a WBA 118-pound eliminator. This is a big fight. What was going through your head of, like, because it really seemed like, all right, I'm going to use the high guard here and there. I'm going to be patient and you know, this guy's going to go. I really I really appreciated that patience you sh- showed, man, rather than, you know, just over-punching and, and throwing these crazy combinations that'll end up, you know, getting you hit anyway. Yeah, um, like, like I said, I had, I had to change my game plan because I, I, I came in thinking I was going to box a little bit more, just, you know, just, you know, when I, cause I knew his tools was overhand. That was his main tool and sometimes the hook. Um, so I had to change my game plan in the middle of the fight, but I, I trained for both. I, I don't go in there with one game plan. Um, you know, I could box and I could I could bang. So which, whichever one makes it easier for me as a fighter, which I see more effective, uh, I kind of go that route. And uh, you know, going into the third round, uh, well after that second round, I was like, it was a five. I got to get this knockdown back. So that made me want to put more pressure. Um, and then just you know, uh, even before I dropped, I remember in the video I hit him with a hook. And his eye was swollen, 
uh, before I dropped him in the second round. And then we got up, you know, uh, it was over. But every round, three, four, five, six, and seven, I could see his eye getting worse and worse and worse. And um, I knew my corner was telling me he's only effective when you're outside the range. But if you're inside, he can't do nothing. Um, so that was the plan, man. I'm like, I'm going to let him hit me. I'll catch some shots. I'm going to get him tired. I'm going to make him be on the back foot because he's never been past six rounds. Um, he's not a mover like that. So there was some times I would literally let him hit me just to hit me, just to wear him down. I would try to counter and work his body. And uh, I, I knew that fight wasn't going uh, – it, it wasn't going to distance. And, uh, you know, um, I was just trying to break him down little by little. Uh, and eventually, you know, the shot came, you know, seventh round, dropped him. Um, and then, you know, uh, his corner ended up stopping the fight. Um, but it, it wasn't going, man. Just just looking at his body language, I, I knew he, was, right. he wasn't going to last at 12. So that was the game plan. Walk him down, yeah. get him tired, and then once he gets tired, take advantage of it and beat him down and take him out. And that's, I got to say, man, and that's not just because you're on the show, but that's advanced, man. That's advanced for a professional. A lot of young guys and just fighters in general, especially ones that just got knocked down early. Um, and, and like I said, getting that two points, knowing you're down on the scorecard, knowing you got to just build – the lead or get the lead back and just grind them down. And, and, and you're right. It, it did seem like, uh, cause there was a couple of times where he almost buckled. So I, even in that round where he took a knee, he almost buckled like twice before that. So, um, yeah, that was advanced stuff, man. And of course that was for a title eliminator. If you look at the WBA, you know, in your way, who just fought over the weekend, had a really good performance over Jerwin on Cajas. Um, and you fought, you know, your number two, you fought the number three guy. And uh, Ishida, you know, had a pretty controversial fight as far as, you know, the decision um, not long ago. Um, is there is there going to be some form of, of clarification of what's next since that was an eliminator? And, and do you know any of that, or is that kind of the next move to see where you're at? Maybe you get the Ishida fight. Maybe you get the Inoue. What, what, what's going on with that, or, or is that kind of like you're going to kind of iron those details out, um, you know, in the coming months? Um, to my understanding, um, I'm, I'm supposed to fight uh, the, the Japanese guy. My next fight is still the okay. Eliminator. Um, yep. And, and that's that's what my promoter told me, just, you know, just the ranking and stuff like that. And I didn't even realize this other guy was ranked one and stuff like that. Um, so I, I didn't really know anything about that. I've, uh, I haven't even studied the guy yet. Um, I guess I didn't even know he was number one. I just knew what my promoter was telling me. They're like, hey, because uh, they were telling me my last fight, I was supposed to fight for, I was supposed to fight the winner of the Japanese and the Filipino guy. But I guess the Japanese got hurt. So they did, they postponed his fight and he fought the same day I fought. Um, so to my understanding, I was supposed to fight him, uh, I was supposed to fight him, uh, this last time today, but yeah, this, I was supposed to fight him, uh, on the 24th, but you know, he got injured. So they postponed it. They, and they made this one a title eliminated. So I could, so it'd be mandatory that I fight him my next fight. Um, so that's what I was preparing for after this guy to, to fight the, uh, the Japanese fighter. So, um, and that, that's All what right, the motor was telling me. 
So that's what I'm looking forward to next. I bet you are, man. Well, I appreciate you taking time out. Like I said, I mean, you know, how you feeling? The body's feeling pretty good. You got you got some aches and pains and stuff, or, or, or how you feeling just in general? I feel good, man. Um, you know, I thought I was gonna be a little, you know, because uh, I thought my hair was gonna be a little sore because there's some fights, you know, you, you know, because you catch me here and there, but um, yeah. I didn't have no headaches or nothing like that, man. I, I felt good. Uh, I got a little sick though after the fight. I'm a little stuffy right now. Sure. But um, right, yeah. But tell. my body, I feel good though, man. I'm uh, I'm gonna take this week off to let my body recover, man. And next week, uh, I'm gonna start building up little by little. Start getting back in top shape, man. man. Ready for you know the WBA. All right, man. Well, you know we're definitely gonna be paying attention to career, and, and as soon as you get you know the fight figured out or whatever the next move is, we'll definitely have you back on. But I really appreciate you taking time out, man. And great win. Like I said, you showed a lot of maturity in the ring. And uh, like I said, appreciate you coming on, man. You have a good night. Thank you, man. God bless you, man. You have a good night, man. Thank you. All right, take it easy. All right, right, guys. Yep. All right, that was Antonio Vargas. He just fought for the WBA title eliminator. He should be in, you know, in the realm. Um, And that was a fun fight. That was a really fun fight, man. Um, Yeah, when you look at the, the amateur pedigree, you know, you already know the gold medal national champ gold medal in the Pan Ams and then, you know, getting beat by Uzbekistan due to one of the gold medal. That there's no shade on that, right? But when you when you hear about all the different rounds I had to fight four more dudes, four more you know, the different layers that you have to do. Not just the training, but um yeah man, and sometimes you feel bad like someone will win, you know, an Olympic tryout and then Somebody else gets a spot, you know, so it's real shaky. Um, but, yeah, I, like I said, I, I wasn't just saying that. I did like what I saw out of him down the stretch in that, in that fight, you know, protecting himself with the high guard um, and picking his shots more rather than just getting in, you know, a bunch of exchanges or whatever. So that that was a great performance. And like I said, we'll definitely talk about that card the other card from Japan. We'll talk about this weekend. Got an interesting, uh, close to a 50-50, I'd say, with uh, uh, Kolmatov and, and Ford. Um, and also, an always fun fighter to watch, Luis Alberto Lopez as well. That'll be on ESPN+. And I'm pretty sure I'm right this time, okay? Um, last time, for whatever reason, when I checked early in the week, I checked the guide. And it just, it wasn't loaded in there or something. And my recording wasn't already set or, you know, because anything boxing I always record, it, it has it automatically. A few weeks back, and it actually was normal ESPN. And I, and I, and I misled you, but um, I just checked, and it sounds like this one's ESPN+. Plus. But, yeah, we got a lot to talk about in and outside the ring. I'm going to go ahead and bring in John here into the fold and see how he's doing on this Tuesday night. What's going on, John? How you doing? Okay, maybe. Hang on, hang on. Let's make sure. Maybe it just wasn't working or something like that. Let's see. 
All right. We're going to go ahead and bring in – hold on. Let me see. Am I so, – yeah, it's not okay. I'm going to go ahead and bring in John into the fold here. What's going on, John? How you doing? Chris, how are you? I was just listening to you and uh, Antonio there uh, give a good, uh, in, of course, first-person recap of uh, his fight Saturday night. And he's uh, entered the transnational uh, bantamweight rankings at number 10, too. So congratulations for him on uh, adding to that uh, good weekend of some bantamweight action. Yeah, no kidding. That was good. Um yeah, what were your thoughts on that fight? And, and I guess we can start on that card. Um, you know, Berlanga looks pretty ordinary uh, until he got his jab going. Once he got his jab going, it seemed like the power shots, you know, um, followed, obviously. But what did you think of that uh, that that Vargas-Rodriguez uh, fight and any other notes from that card? And that was a fight that, seemed to entertain everybody and uh, it was just kind of coincidental well not necessarily coincidental because you had the Japanese card really uh, had a bantamweight focus but then you had um, this fight on the same weekend and all of these guys uh, in terms of transnational terms being top 10 type level bantamweights uh, now and uh, you know it was good opportunity with that being the conversation for Vargas to have an entertaining fight and to get himself part of the conversation. One thing I also think is good for him is, uh, and you know, we, we can get to that after the Berlanga more in detail, but they're talking about him possibly fighting Takuma in a way. And despite the surprising uh, knockout that really came out of nowhere, yeah, Takuma is not his brother and, I think I think he's vulnerable. I mean, outside of that exception, last weekend he he's just not a puncher, and uh, you know, he has some boxing skills. But you could see, and Cajas was coming on in that fight, so uh, you know might might be a if Vargas has a chance of getting that fight, might be a chance for him to uh, make make a little bit of surprise noise. At least the opportunity will be there. Uh, Berlanga. I'm with a lot of people that he did need that KO. I mean, it was amazing to me. I was looking at the odds a bit pre-fight, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was thinking about we were at a point, of course it was against a bit lesser competition, but not really that much. We were at a point where Berlanga was even money to get a KO before the end of the first round a few years ago, and he was a plus to get a KO Saturday night. And I thought, man, that's a, that, that just shows you how far the, the stock has dropped in terms of his impressiveness. So he did somewhat accomplish what he needed to do with this assignment in terms of he, he really needed to get back in the KO column. Um, as you mentioned, you, you see the guy trying to do some different things probably have to look back, even though I, I've seen plenty of his previous fights, sometimes you don't know exactly what you're seeing unless you go back and look at the video and, and, and make sure, but it, it seemed to me like um, I also noticed like he was, in this fight he, he was getting a little more 
you know, he's, he's had, had that power early, especially, but out of his right hand, you know, you, you saw a lot of left hooks in the past, uh, right hands too, but it, it seemed like Saturday night he was kind of a little, little more uh, going to the right hand power shot, and that's when he ended up ending it. So I noticed that, not saying if, if now, you know, we have, of course, additional news about Canelo apparently leaving PBC and apparently we'll, we'll go back to the zones. So you're talking about a possible Berlanga fight. You know, I'm I'm with everybody else that it, it's not one I'm looking for, and I'm not saying I would be wouldn't be just picking Canelo, and it's certainly something from a fan's point of view that wouldn't be pay per view. But I am looking at Canelo's age; he's 33 now. It's hard to believe that much time has gone by, uh, and he's not that tall for when you get up to 168 or you know light heavyweight 175 pounds, and he's not a high volume. You know, he wasn't a high-volume guy to begin with, and that, that volume is going to naturally slow up with age. So even though he's coming off of two fights that ended up being easy for him and Jermel Charlo and Ryder, uh, I think we are getting to the point where he, he's probably he's probably going to start being vulnerable uh, against somebody lesser that's going to take us by surprise. I'm not saying it's going to be Berlanga, but I think we, we're probably reaching that time, and and uh, if it's not Belanga... Do you think he knows be. that it's that time, potentially? I'm thinking he might. Uh, you know, the fighters you would think be the last to know, and Canelo's got a lot of pride. But, yeah, w- when you hear rumors about why this has happened and you look at what stage in his career he's at, that, that does kind of fit that, uh, you know, we have seen a lot of older fighters do that, too. Uh you know, from Larry, you know, you could go throughout boxing history, but you remember Larry Holmes doing that, you know, yep. get to a certain point and say, hey, hey, hey I fought plenty of tough guys or, or who was out there for me, uh, right. at least some of them, which is Canelo. And, uh, Definitely. you know, I'm, I'm really not going to go and, and put myself in that kind of schedule. I'm going to try to hang on as long as I can and make it uh, as easy as possible for myself to, Hang on, and uh, yeah, it's, it, I, I think it probably is kind of morphing into that into that time. So, uh, you know, sometimes if if a fighter wants to do the opposite, the way they might do that is, you know, you, you move up and wait. Even though, again, Canelo not that tall, but some of your positive attributes can carry over to the higher weight because you're you're not at that disadvantage of losing the speed as you get older proportion to that higher weight. And, you know, that's where Canelo might benefit some, but, um, he, he's, you know, he's not, he's not that high volume and he's got, he's, he's, his punching power kind of, Canelo has been a little funny like that, where his punching power kind of comes and goes in that sense. Like, yeah, you know, you'll, you'll see sometimes you count him out as a puncher, and he'll have a good punching display. Kovalev would be a good example of that. Uh, but uh-huh. then you know he'll go like like. But then you think the opposite. He's when he was fighting like a Miguel, Miguel Cotto at middleweight, and even though you know Cotto's got some skill and talent, but still there was there was no real power from Canelo in that fight. So it's not that every fighter can have it every time, but yeah, it can be a sure. little little bit of hit hit and miss with him. So. 
not not to diverge too much, but we're not going to get overly excited about Berlanga or anything, but he needed the KO. There was some debate about it. He, he entered Transnational at 10 this week. That's the first time he's ever been in there, uh, even though his name had been kicked around earlier. Uh, I think that's the first time he's officially been in there. So he, he's at he's at the the last spot, but he, he's now encroaching on that legit top 10 level. Uh, doesn't mean it really gets much farther. It, it may very well not. Uh, like people have said, you know, him and Munguia might have might have been good, or, or could still be. Who knows? But uh, I, don't, I don't know with Canelo about him and Canelo. I'm not expecting much, and it's, I'm I'm like everybody else. It's not, it's not my preference, but Canelo might be getting at that point. Like we were just saying, yeah, I, I think it's probably got a hunch. It's probably there where he he's gonna he's gonna start having some some trouble. So. Who knows what fight that might be? Yeah, that is a good point. Um, because, you know, on one hand, he says, I want to fight for the next five years, right? Which maybe that's only two or three. Maybe that's five. Who knows? Let's just say three. Um, so then, like, of course, Canelo can do whatever he wants. And like you said, sometimes fighters at a certain stage will go into a different mode. But if you're going to be here for three years, you know, it's kind of like, well, I don't think you can fight too many Berlangas and, and, you know, that type of thing. So I do think there's a he, – he obviously chooses who he wants to fight if people didn't believe that. Now, you know, we already knew that. That's, that's just – a lot of people in his position would do the same thing. It is a little surprising if he did fight Berlanga just because, you know, about two years ago, he was signed to fight Bavall, and that was obviously a risk going up. Now, Bavall had had a, a couple fights where he hadn't looked as good, and maybe they thought they saw something on tape. You know, a fair amount of us did pick Canelo in the fight. Um, we didn't think it would be, you know, a clean victory the other way. Excuse me, not many people, but um, – so it does kind of surprise me there because back then when he was scheduled to fight Bavall in Golovkin in 2020, or I'm sorry, 2022, he basically told every, told everybody, hey, fight amongst each other. You know, talking to Andre and, and, and Benavidez and Charlo and Munguia and Berlanga, you know, saying, hey, you guys fight each other, I'll fight them. And so... Now, all of a sudden, flash forward two years ago, it's like, well, I mean, Benavides has pretty much made himself, you know, at a higher profile. He's done two back-to-back pretty damn good dates. Uh, he's the best B-side you got. It was a little surprising there, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But, yeah, you're right. He might be entering that part of his career, but if he, it's just weird to be like, He's going to fight for five more years, which I don't believe five, but even three, it's like, well, if you were to fight Berlanga and then Munguia, if you're not going to fight Crawford and you're not going to fight uh, Benavidez, who the hell are you going to fight? You know, like, I, I don't, that's where he kind of loses me, but it is what it is. Well, we'll talk a little bit about that, but I did, you know, early on, it was a slow, slow start. I thought a right hand that landed on Berlanga kind of gave McCrory, the, the round, and the second second round I thought was pretty close. There was a left hook that may have been the best punch from McCrory, 
But after that, Berlanga started landing better shots, no doubt. I did like how he was going to the body. Um, and he definitely, I'd say by the fourth round, he was hurting him. Those, those left hook exchanges were pretty fun, actually. But the big right hand, and like I said, that jab started landing very, very well. <clears throat> the jab, the jab right hand, the body work. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, he did end up getting them, getting them out of there with some big right hands, uh, left hooks, like I said, to the head and Bobby. I, I really liked what I saw there. Uh, I think it was back-to-back right hands that just, you know, landed really hard. So he did get the guy out of there. Now he's not a guy that you can be like, oh, my gosh, this is a top-level win or whatever. Um, but, you know, we know in boxing the whole deserve a fight doesn't really exist. I mean, yeah, we could say Benavidez deserves it more than anybody else, but that's just not how the sport goes. Yildrum didn't deserve it. Uh, Rocky Fielding didn't deserve it. You know, but then again, he has Mayweather. He has Trout. Like you said, Cotto, Lara, Golovkin back-to-back. Um, you know, he, he just went up and fought Bavall two years ago. So um, I'm not going to go too hard on him when it comes to that. Anything else? Uh, what'd you think of Andy Cruz before we do kind of get over the, to that Nakatani knockout of Santiago and talk about that uh, card a little bit too? Cruz, yeah, I'm, I'm slightly slightly disappointed because he did something that we wanted to see. Uh, you know, I I've wanted to see, and I keep advocating for it. And you, you do see some guys now who have proven it here and there. Like, you know, he took a fight that his first fight against somebody who nobody would normally be fighting for 15 fights and, you know, didn't get the KO, but, but just, just gave him a beating and looked really sharp and looked like he should be on a really fast track. Uh, and, it, you know, it's not that he's been bad since, but in a couple of fights since, I don't. I don't feel like we've seen that. So, um, little bit, little bit disappointing there. I mean, I I know he's only a few fights in, but for the level of prospect, everybody looked at him at. Um, you know, even though Keyshawn Davis has had a few more fights, he kind of got his mojo back in this fight against Pedraza. But we were talking about that card and kind of. I kind of missed talking about that. We were talking about some other stuff, so good chance to a couple of weeks later to just touch on that a bit. I mean, he got the job done. They're kind of kind of getting back on track after. Yeah, you know, he's still very young and not many fights in, but he 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 was, and I think correctly, another guy that kind of went on that fast track and then didn't look quite as good for a couple of fights or so, but kind of got that back. Um, and you know they're with different promotions, so it really wouldn't be happening. But, you know, just for the the sake of talk, you know, like Cruz talking about, like, you know, he would fight Davis and, and things like that. Uh, and, you know, Cruz has got the kind of experience in, in the amateurs where it's certainly not far-fetched and with who he's already taken on. But as I'm getting to, like, Dave, Davis is coming off of – now Davis is coming off a better performance. It's kind of kind – of, funny how it can ebb and flow like that sometimes um so i i think i, I want to see i want to see a little more from Cruz 
like like we saw opponent-wise and performance-wise in that first pro fight. Yeah, I think that's fair. I definitely think that's fair. Um, he, he was just looking okay. wasn't wasn't all that great, but you know, it is uh, like you said, worth noting that you know we're not going to jump head over heels either way. But yeah, we'll see. You know, he should be back in the ring somewhat soon because that's usually what happens when you're young like that. Um, let's talk about Junto Nakatani going against uh, Santiago, which, you know, when you look at the uh, the record of Santiago, you, you definitely can't overly judge it. Um, he's a crafty fighter, pretty skilled guy, and Nakatani took care of business. I mean, he, he, he basically just broke him down landing the cleaner punches, started the two-punch combo, and, and, and just took him out. I thought it was really impressive. It was, and uh, great performance by him. He, he's been doing what we want to say, want to see, uh, and just to make sure that that's clear before I get into it, but it also, I, I keep saying it because it just keeps happening, but you still hear the lazy analysis on it, especially in these lower weight divisions right. where there's even more weight divisions you don't need. I mean, he was a minus 800 favorite, uh, you know, So, uh, but then you have analysts both writing, oh, you know, let's see how he does with the three, with moving up the three pounds and will he be fighting a stronger, I mean, he's a minus 800 favorite. The guy ha- has great height. For, for these weights he's fighting, and he's extremely talented and powerful, it was meaningless. And, you know, he, got, he ended up getting, getting an impressive KO early. And, and Santiago is a tough guy who had never been stopped before. Uh, but, look, you know, Santiago's 5'3", and, you know, one, one thing in, in modern boxing, and, and this is for all – really all shorter guys, and I, and I don't blame them because the sport takes enough out of you as it is, and you really see it kind of throughout all weight classes from the smaller to the highest. There's really just not, and, and I don't fault them at all, but, you know, there's there's not like, like previous eras, shorter fighters that when they get in this real height disadvantage, um, that, that, you know, they're, they're not going to come in with a Joe Frazier style or, or like you were taught in the old days to, you know, get, get your head on, you know, when you're at that kind of disadvantage, you know, pay the price coming in and then get your head on the guy's chest and, you know, get close and just start banging away with high volume. You know, whether it's that heavyweight or bantamweight, nobody, nobody wants to do that anymore. The, the price is too high, you know, even, even if you're winning you're not going to be around. You're not going to be around long taking those kind of shots coming in. And uh, I, I don't, I don't blame anybody for it, but I'm just saying when I see a matchup like that, like a, you know, a Santiago with a tall guy who has skill and power like Nakatani, you know, this one I did see coming in, not because Santiago is not a tough guy, but, and he never been stopped, but, you know, five, three going against, you know, Nakatani, with that kind of skill and power and height, what's he, you know, what's he going to do? And that, that's the way it played out. There really wasn't, wasn't much he could do. And, you know, before long he got blown away. Uh, so, 
but Nakatani's for real. I, I, I like the guy a lot. Um, you know, where you're not getting as much exposure, and they have had that with start times, but the the way things have evolved, you know, top, top Rank's kind of on a roll with their programming, what they're putting on with ESPN, ESPN+. Plus. Uh, you know, this, of course, was 5 in the morning Eastern time or so, even a little before that, but you know, this bantamweight is still a traditional division. Uh, like I said, you got too many of these weight classes, but this happened to be focused on bantam, which is one of the original eight. And I, and I like that stuff, as we know, uh, traditionalists like that. And, but I, I like that. You know, we had you had Tanaka, then you had Nakatani, and then Takuma Inoue, who I think is a, a bit overrated. But this was an entertaining fight with Ankehas kind of having his last stand and, you know, getting a surprising KO. I mean, that that was, you know, that that was good programming, the, the price of ESPN Plus when you consider all the other sports stuff you're getting with your boxing on that. Like you and I have talked, Chris, a lot of times people forget with different services, you know, what else are you getting with it? You know, you're a boxing fan. Yeah, you want to see the boxing, but when you get something else with it that you really can use, a good value and ESPN plus has kind of kind of gotten like that to its credit and then you have a card like this with a guy who's real talented like Nakatani not even in the last fight of the uh, the evening over in Japan the morning here uh, but you know like the co-main I mean that, that that's pretty good quality because you know Santiago coming off the the big win against Donaire even though Donaire probably at the end of the line um, that was good, but Nakatani lived up to billing. Um, and this is another thing, though, with, with the problem with the alphabet type stuff. or And really, alphabet, like I always said, you've got to go alphabet in too many weight classes. Like, let me go against some conventional wisdom here, like I was hearing after this fight. You know, do, do, I need, do I need to watch Nakatani blow away another Maloney because he's got a belt? Not really. Another Yeah, not really. I, I really, you know, I, I saw people immediately talking that, and I'm like, yeah, I, I really don't need to see that. And the Takuma, in a way, would be a storyline for maybe fighting Noya down the line. But even though he had the surprising knockout, uh, that, that's one of those. Anything he can do, Nakatani can do better. And I don't see him having anything to hold Nakatani off with. So I, I actually don't feel like I really need to see those um, with, with just things being spread out between so many of those weight classes, especially at those lower weights. Um, you know, th- th- this guy looks like this guy looks like he's ready for for even bigger challenges. You know, literally. <laughs> so. Uh, even though he just went up these three pounds, so but yeah, I, I'm I'm on the bandwagon with this uh, being a very impressive performance. Yeah, yeah, me too, man. He's really tightened up just in general because you know when he was a little younger. Not that he's old now, but uh, he would get hit kind of clean where you're like, ooh, you know that that might be a problem. But he, it does seem like he's tightened that up, and uh, you know he can fight at range. He can come at you. He's got great timing, and uh, he's definitely an explosive puncher, no doubt about that. I, I did like, uh, you know, I, I mean, 
Uh, you know, even like, you know, he misses his left hand, threw it again, got it, like a jab left hand. Yeah. I like that. You know, okay, no big deal. You missed it, boom. It seemed like he set up the jab even better, and then bam, it followed. And uh, obviously it scored the knockdown, and then, you know, a few left hands, a couple right hooks, and it was over. Uh, but, yeah, when it's time to go, he can. And, you know, I I did think it was a little competitive, but just not – not a whole lot. Like you said, Santiago, it's a tough spot to be in, um, in general. Um, and then of course we, you know, on the other part of that, uh, you know, on the card, we did have, uh, like you mentioned a little bit of, of Inoue and on Cajas, um, you know, like the early rounds were really slow. Um, I, I thought the straight or, uh, I thought the straight right hand or right hook, we're probably doing enough to, to, to win some rounds early, um, especially when, like, in the fourth round, uh, it was more of an inside fight and the right hands uh, to the head. One of them snapped anyway's neck a little bit back, threw more combos finally on Cajas because sometimes that's his problem. I, I liked what he was doing to the body. I actually gave him two rounds out of the first four um, and, and, you know, maybe he was busier in the sixth or something like that, but, um, and there was some good back and forth here and there. Um, but eventually in your way, landing the harder shots, hard right hands, left hooks, like I said, both guys kind of in the seventh and eighth landing pretty well on the inside. Um, but back to the body, I think it was in the ninth round, just started digging, especially with the right hands and, uh, you know, ultimately, I didn't really see, um, you know, that type of ending coming. So I thought that was impressive. But I, I know what you mean. There is a level to that that I don't uh, – he's clearly not on the high – the elite elite level. He's a pretty good fighter. He definitely likes a fighter to come to him so he can uh, kind of counter off that, especially with the left hook and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, any other action – you know, from that that uh, card that you want to talk about, obviously there was a different fight too. Uh, Tanaka, I thought Tanaka that that was a speaking of inside action, that was primarily inside. Um, a lot of that fight, in you know, I thought the guy gave us you know the uh, Baka song or whatever his name was. I thought he really gave a good account for himself. It was one of those where you could. In the first maybe three to four rounds, it was very competitive, and I could give some rounds away. Then it did seem like Tanaka, you know, the fifth, sixth, seventh, that's where he started getting a little bit more space to land his punches. Um, but in the beginning and throughout, they were both attacking the body. Um, I just thought it was one of those pretty, a clear winner, but a good competitive fight. Uh, for that Bacchus Suga or whatever his name was. What would you think of, uh, you know, the other action on that card? That, that was a surprisingly good fight because there was a big talent differential, but it, but it just ended up being a good fight. It ended up being a good action fight. I mean, Tanaka clearly won. He just had more firepower. I thought that was the difference. There was a, a determined enough effort coming back at him, but, but that, that, corresponding firepower just wasn't there. And even though it was a lesser opponent, and this was a really good fight, competitive fight, 
with a lesser opponent. I don't know, Tanaka, you know, he, he, a lot of people really were raving about him before that Ioka fight, and uh, he got upset, uh, disappointing, getting stopped. Um, and again, I know it's a much lesser opponent, but did think he was looking pretty sturdy in there. And, you know, from that, that one upset loss, that's one thing I noticed in that fight. Again, much different level of competition, but thought he looked kind of sturdy. Um, you know, bantamweight, a traditional division. I, I am with everybody else who got excited, though. I mean, even though I think Nakatani is, you know, well above these guys. And what I'm really alluding to is, you know, it really, I mean, everybody's talking like, well, well down the road and stuff, you know, as we know, boxing waits too long most of the time. I mean, you know, really, he he looks he looks ready to fight Noya in a way. That would be a, a great fight. But with that said, is I guess that's what I do have in the back of my mind at this point already. Like, you know, these guys are top-ranked connected, you know, both Japanese. Let, let's do this. But since that's probably not going to happen, these other fights mentioned, I don't think I necessarily need to see him because I think Nakatani definitely wins them. But with that understood, they they could be entertaining while they last. I think they would be, and Nakatani's spurring interest that if these guys that are making these moves now at least hang around bantamweight for a little while to fight each other, uh, you know, we're getting these at a good value in the U.S. on ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, you know, I'm in for that. I mean, uh, I, I'm in, I am with everybody else in for that, that, hey, on my ESPN Plus, it's a traditional division. You're going to give me these guys fighting each other in this traditional division, uh, you know, that has history. I, I'm I'm good with that. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, some good, really good potential entertaining fights. I mean, I see Nakatani coming out on top of all those potential matchups, but – Good, still some good entertainment value. I mean, this guy entertains and knocks people out, and yeah. And look, you know these these fighters like you know Tanaka's got an entertaining style. I think uh, Takuma, in a way, not not naturally, but he's coming off this good KO. And I do think Ankaras was coming on. That was a really a strange fight. One thing I just wanted to cap that off with because you you kind of do see these patterns when you watch boxing for years and years and years and. You know, sometimes when a guy does hit the end, you'll see him get stopped by a non-puncher. I, I certainly wasn't predicting that, but I mean, like, sure. and that, that really is the end of the line. And, and I think that was one of these with Ancajas. I mean, he, he's done. I mean, you know, of course he can choose to continue and everything, but, but that's it. Right. Uh, you know, he's not – there's not going to be any other run or anything. And just a fight that came to mind, you know, way back because he was – such a really good fighter, known, of course, for the, the trilogy with Duran. But, you know, Esteban Bahasius went up to 140 pounds at the end. He got stopped by Saul Mombi. You know, Saul Mombi was a good defensive specialist with a great chin. But, I mean, he couldn't punch at all. And he stopped Bahasius, and that was the end of the line for Bahasius. Like, uh, you, know, you you do see that once in a while. Like, somebody who, who is kind of just – the, the tread runs off the tire and they're at the end of the line and they get stopped by a non-puncher who's a good fighter, but a non-puncher. And you're like, Whoa, but, but that, that's just like the end of the line. And I think that's definitely the case for, and Cajas. Uh, like, I don't think 
we'll see Takuma Inouye being a puncher after this. Like, that's going to be the wrong take on this, and I think people will – I think there's going to be a lot of people that will go with that take after this and say, especially because of who his brother is, and start talking about this guy as a puncher. And, you know, I'm going to say that, like, going forward. This was the aberration. He, he's not going to be a puncher when he's potentially in these other tougher matchups. And that's why I'm not saying Antonio Vargas is necessarily going to beat him, who was on the show tonight, which that's great. But this could be a good – if that fight does happen, it could be a good spot for him to – could be a, a good upset spot for him, to, you know, where he could uh, make, make that run. People might, might count him out, but, uh, you know, in a way, not going to be that kind of puncher against a younger guy. Right. I mean, and just to add to what you're saying about the ESPN Plus, something that we've talked about for a while, you know, ever since they made all of the top-ranked content on ESPN Plus instead of having to have cable, that's a plus, right? But, yep. you know, the overseas stuff, Japan, the U.K., even Saudi now. Um, now, of course, that's pay-per-view, but still, like, it really is paying off, man. I mean, it really, really is solid. Ever since they moved it over to anything top rank is on ESPN+. Plus. The value is there. seems like all the prices are going up for all streaming services. We know DAZN, as far as boxing, you know, is, is on a crazy level. But, um, yeah, man, ESPN+, Plus is definitely a bang for your buck. And like you said, you have, you have documentaries. And who knows what it's going to turn into, um, you know. Maybe that will kind of fold into their, like we talked about, their their standalone, you know, cable. Uh, like you just pay for this and you get everything ESPN. Now, obviously, that would cost more. But, um, you know, maybe that will entice people, like we mentioned, that have cable just for sports. Um, but, yeah, it is, it is. The value has been great. And the overseas stuff where it started just the U.K., but now we're getting plenty from Japan. Right. And, and, and it's, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it is great, man. Speaking of, speaking of ESPN Plus this Saturday, um, Komatov in Ford is a, is pretty close to a 50-50 on the books. Um, yep. You know, I'm seeing plus 116, Ford plus 125, 120, plus 126 is the highest bet way, which I think is in the U.K. That's plus one. Um, 40, but plus 117, plus, you know, right in that realm, found duel has a plus 116. <clears throat> this is a good matchup. And then also, you know, in the co-feature, you have Abe, who, who's a pretty good fighter, but Luis Alberto Lopez is, you know, he's just got this crazy style that yep. you think, oh, it's going to get exploited. But it really, for some reason, it just doesn't much. Um, what are your thoughts heading in to Saturday's fights? Obviously, Amanda Serrano, Jake Paul, there's a plenty of other ones to talk about, but I'd say this main event is definitely the best fight on paper anyway coming into it. Yeah, it does fit what you were just talking about, and that's been on my mind a lot lately. And it does tie in, going to get into the matchups, but in, into the, the part on the sport and the exposure and the health of the sport that also matters. You know, people were thinking it was some bias for no reason and things. It wasn't at all. I mean, at all, like in 2015, 
I was really into what PBC was doing. And, and for years after that, I mean, because they were still following along their plan for the most part, um, because they were trying to, it was because they were trying to do something, get the fighters exposure. Sure. There was going to be pay-per-view at some time at the end of it, but they were going to focus on getting fighters exposure first. And, and, you know, they did that. And look, you know, you had guys who within the context of the sport, became bigger stars like, uh, you know, Tank, of course, who's still going. Uh, you know, you've got, you know, Wild, you know Wilder. There you got Spence. You know, Errol Spence, exactly the thing with the Crawford fight. So, look, you know, Keith Thurman, that's why he's still popping up because, you know, he, he sells and yeah, he's exactly. built enough of a, of a name. So, you know, people don't look back at that like, look, this was the plan, part of the plan, part of the plan did work, but it kind of, and I'm sure it was for business reasons, but, you know, I was saying it as it occurred, and looking back, I feel it more than ever. I I just feel like they kind of, for whatever different business reasons, kind of prematurely got forced off their game. And I think now with nobody coming in behind these guys we talked about or and having outlets now for that kind of exposure that you know now they're they're kind of left with those guys they built up in the in the early years of it and you know Spence could very well be done Wilder certainly near the end of the line if he's not at the end of the line uh, Tank is not but you know that that's the one that's going to be the the one guy left I mean Thurman's at the end of the line I mean you know he's a he's a huge underdog against Sue. So, you know, like you said, exposure. Even, even if they do have a guy like Elijah Garcia, will they be able to have that exposure to make people go, "Oh, who's this?" You know, right? They're they're not having that. In, in other words, it's not. It'll be more because Amazon still has a lot more. Don't get me wrong, and Showtime had more, but. It's going to be more like the, it's already getting like that. See, it's going to be more like the disown type of thing, where you know maybe some bo- boxing fans get to know these guys. I mean, Ryan Garcia is the exception because he's got the social media following, and I, I did right. read a really good New York Times article about that stuff on Sunday. It was for unfortunate reasons they were talking about this connect. Believe it or not, it sounds like it's going about parents exploiting their teens on social media. Some of them have right. no ethics. In other words, to perverts and stuff. This was a front page New York Times extensive article. Really good though. But they went and got the data and, and it was interesting because they they you know and, and why then companies are even, you know, paying for, you know, teens to wear their clothes and all that kind of stuff. You know, they, they went through the numbers in other words. And and, you know, as has been debated you could see how it shifted like where with the younger generation. And, you know, you mentioned Jake Paul, of course, he's fighting this weekend. Now you you can just become a star, you know, based on that with certain followings and, and, and the companies know it and, and they're sponsoring right. people and things like that. But, but it was interesting just seeing the numbers. And so, you know, that's kind of where Ryan Garcia comes from. Tank gets an extra boost, but for most, you know, so so that's an avenue if you if you can work it right. But otherwise, then you've got to get some exposure with more eyeballs. And boxing is not really getting that, except comparably speaking, the top ranked deal is getting it. So I don't know how long they can continue. Like you and I have kept talking, but except for bad fights 
like in terms of entertainment value, like Stevenson de los Santos and then, you know, Lopez and Ortiz, but those are big name guys. I mean, Shakur Stevenson, Tiafima Lopez, those are star guys we want to see in that sense. So those were bad fights, but they're having some other good fights. You know, a lot of talent on the undercards lately. You know, sometimes they're not that entertaining, but you know, you got guys like Abdullah Mason, Carrington. I mean, these guys are entertaining and they're really good. Uh, and, you know, so then they're getting, you know, Carrington just got some good exposure. So, and, and he's knows yeah. how to use it. You know, he's making himself entertaining in and out of the ring. Um, they're really, they've hit it. If they can keep the deal going for a while with the ESPN and ESPN plus they've hit a niche, but to me, it's like what PBC had going when I used to say, and I believe correctly, the competitors, aren't getting their people exposure to compete with the PBC guys. So as long as PBC keeps rolling that and they're not, they're always at a big disadvantage. And that's why you saw Hearn trying to pick up guys who had gotten some exposure because the zone couldn't get them the exposure. So reading into this weekend, I mean, these are good fights, you know, relatively speaking, when you think quote unquote free TV, I mean, Ford, he's a Jersey guy. Uh, has some amateur pedigree, kind of up and down early, but he's still, even for a featherweight, he's young. And and to me, he has looked good in like the last three fights. I've I've liked the way he he looked. He is a guy. He's been tested, that's for sure. Yeah, he's been tested and he fought a real opponent in Magdaleno too um, and dominated him and put hurt on him. He started putting hurt on guys too. You know, he, he wasn't punching at all early, but I'm not saying he's become a puncher, but he's showing some pop, and he's still young enough that I'm taking it a little more seriously in terms of the development of it. So I just, I like the way he's looked. You know, the, the Kamatov, you know, looking at him, I mean, he, he a lot of people are high on him. He, he's a young guy. He, you know, a lot of times we're looking at these former Soviet block fighters coming out, and you're used to them being a little older. This guy's a young guy. That's to, to his credit, you know, so – so he, he's a young guy, too. He, he's only like 24 years old himself. Uh, like he said, close to even money. Ford's a little bit of an underdog. He's the plus. But close close odds. I mean, a really good competitive fight to be a main event. So you got to like that's – that's what we want more of. You know, when yeah, you're – you got the ESPN slot and you're showing a, a straight-out competitive fight going in. So they, they've got that in the main event. It does get you kind of excited about it. You don't have to – you know, break out the break out the the money for the pay per view, uh, right. which is real nice. I mean, you know, so you know you're getting enough now where you combine the ESPN Plus with that. That you know, if you're a hardcore boxing fan, you're you're, you're getting a top rank seating, a good amount of action lately. So that's good. And they've got the uh, they've got they're going to be having the, the Parker Zhang as well, right? Um, I believe. Yeah, I believe so. ESPN yeah. Plus. Yeah, so that I mean that's that's going to be a you know a good one just for that. That's a week later. So, um, but this is a good card. So I, this one, very tough call. Uh, I'm I'm it leaning is a, tough a little towards. I'm a leaning a little bit forward for the upset just because I like the way he's progressed and it's going to be a really mm-hmm. tough fight. Not not something I'm feeling certain about or anything like that, but I'm leaning his way yeah. for the, the 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 slight upset. Just I. I mean, Kamatov is undefeated, but just 
and Ford's got that one draw, that one really that bad draw. But he, he's last three fights, I like the way he's looked. Um, be the real name in Magdaleno. Uh, I, I'm giving him a, a tough, real tough call, slight edge uh, that he, he can he can outbox him, and he and he's just had just enough pop. Just enough pop in recent fights. See, that's sure. the thing that's kind of making the difference. That if he didn't show that pop, and he's just going to box, yeah. he had nothing to hold him off. He might get worn down. You know, maybe get stopped late. But he's showing just enough pop now to keep you honest. He's had the good boxing skills. He, he seems he seems to be really reaching his you know kind of kind of reaching his peak. Um, not saying tough isn't, but I, I'm leaning slightly towards Ford in this one. And then um, with the Abe and uh, Lopez, you're right, Lopez has really got that unorthodox style. What's a, what's kind of amazing is, to his credit, he start, started working with, you know, Kay Karoma, who's kind of the boxing guru who, you know, transitioned from top U.S. amateur guy to, to the pros and has had a lot of good success with some people lately. And you, you can see... So even with that unorthodox style, you can see some of his influence on Lopez, and and Lopez has uh, given Caroma a lot of credit for it. And and like you and I were saying, we were laughing. Of course, it wasn't funny for Conlon, but uh, when when Lopez now has has gotten so good with that unorthodox style that that he was doing it for Pernell Whitaker and just kind of embarrassing Conlon <laughs> to get low on him and just move it ahead and then whipping speed power shots after he was boxing them. Uh, you, you know that this guy's made some progress with that unorthodox style. I think the only problem for, for him in this fight, and I really do mean the only problem because Abe's not even a puncher and he, he's nothing special. Uh, to me, it's good to see Lopez. He's an entertaining fighter, but this isn't really the best, the best opponent, but there is a big call for that weight. He's 30 years old. He, the reflexes have looked good, even though he's a featherweight, not that tall. But that's something that could kind of go at any time. Hasn't gone yet. Totally different style, but like when I talk about Matias, you know, kind of a style that in the 30s you, you think would could end any day. Uh, I do think that with Lopez, even though his style is different. Like a, any day it could end, but it hasn't ended yet. Same with Matias. So, I'm not, I'm not going to predict it's going to end against Abe. So I think Lopez could have some trouble with that height disadvantage, and, and if he, he's starting to fade, it could be maybe get into a little bit of tougher spike than expected. But if he is what he's been lately, I think he's shown enough boxing skill lately and explosiveness to overcome that height disadvantage and um, might even be able to get a, stop, get a stoppage here. But – but I, I do solidly like him in this fight because of the talent differential. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. And, um, you know, maybe this is the the old school, you know, co-feature that they're going to match him up, you know, uh, in the next fight sometime, maybe this summer or something like that. That would be good. Uh, Troy Isley's in with uh, Marcus Hernandez. A couple other, you know, Duke Ragon. Uh, Brian Norman Jr. in there with uh, Figueroa. There, there's there's some undercard stuff as well as far as prospect stuff goes. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think any that, other? Go ahead. 
Well, I, I'm going to mention, I mean, RAG, I mean, it, it's kind of for a reason, but, but this has already proven to be the case some. I mean, I'm not impressed with Isley or Ragan. Isley is not is not boring, but he's under he's underpowered for a middle, so he doesn't get the KOs. But then, as he's even stepped it up a little bit, he's had he's had trouble, and the fights have been pretty entertaining because he's getting threatened. So, yeah, you, you know, you really when he's fighting these veterans now. You know, even though he's the favorite, and you, but you even see it in the odds too. He's not like the dominant favorite that you see a lot of these prospects. So he's vulnerable. Ragan's been hasn't impressed me that much either. He he's not even as entertaining. But again, a guy who, you know, vulnerable. I mean, he's not. These guys are not. He's Sean Davis, Abdullah Mason, or Bruce Carrington. I'm I'm calling separation already. I do think. Even of course they're different weights. I think that's what people are making mistakes. Even though they've got the amateur pedigree, Ragan and Isley are not Carrington, Mason, Davis. So I think people throw them in the same bin, and they're not talent-wise. So some people are starting to get it, but not all. Uh, but I do think that that point is valid. That like these guys on the undercard are vulnerable enough now that yeah, you got to pay attention to these fights. And you're, you're right, Norman. I think he's fighting Boca Chica, right? Um, Boca yep. Chica's not Boca Chica's, I agree, you know Norman's a solid favorite but Boca Chica's not bad, I mean he, he brings I'm kind of looking at that one too like some people, not necessarily that he's going to win but he does bring enough to the table that, and you know Norman's been kind of up and down too that like I, I am with that right. too, I'm like yeah you know I, I can see the argument like this is kind of, again for "Quote unquote free, so to speak. ESPN Plus not free, but it's low enough priced that it's not bad. <laughs> it's close, it's right. close to what we get the free nowadays with a lot of, compared to everything else. Yeah, you know, w- worth worth looking at, and with the two good yeah. co-mains, it's a good uh, test this, at least. Yeah, it's it's looking like a good night of boxing, and even though it doesn't always happen, Chris, I think you're right on this one. I think top rank. I could be wrong, but I think they're pretty much saying, yeah, they're uh, – oh, actually, that's right. No, they were they were talking about maybe the winners that he's fighting, or then I would like to see him be bold enough to do it. I don't know if they will, but yeah. they were even throwing Carrington out there for – you know, this was even top sure. rank themselves. Like, I don't know if they're serious. I hope they – I would hope they are serious. Uh, but, and they were talking to someone like you are, like, hey – Maybe, maybe you know, we put Carrington right in there to take the huge leap right in the summer. Um, yeah, or be on the co-feature of the winners of these, and then he gets the, you know, whatever. Yeah. So this that works. is the one I mean, thing, you know. Let, let's Because we have said the only drawback to top rank um, is sometimes they'll collect some fighters, and then they, you know, at 130 they did a good job. They made a lot of featherweight fights. But um, sometimes, you know, with the heavyweights and other divisions, it's like, well, he really didn't get as many fights as we thought. So I would love right. to see that because on the same card, and it just it just lines up. And then you can put it on regular ESPN sometime in the summer. And, you know, it's not as busy of a schedule come July and August or whatever. And, and maybe you can get, um, you know, a good rating. They did get a good rating. Um, 
you know, in their live, that Oshaki uh, Foster and Nova fight, that did it averaged seven hundred thousand. Had a nice lead in. It was the uh, celebrity NBA game, so they did actually for their numbers. Usually, they're they're in the five hundred thousand range. They did get a nice jump, so that that's definitely a positive. And it was at least a competitive fight. But yeah, we'll see if they do, you know, face off the winners because um, I've always loved that that old school way of doing things any other items that you want to talk about before we do kind of get your take on the canelo stuff and uh you know haney garcia at the barclays it's about time new york gets a big fight i'm really actually i'm not going but i am excited because the barclays you know had a nice uh fanship that would go there they you know you could pretty much put any kind of mid-level to big fight in there, and you'd at least draw some sort of a crowd. So I'm actually really pumped that that um, that, that that it's going to land at the Barclays. That's pretty cool. Um, and then obviously, so the Canelo stuff. Get your thoughts on that. Uh, it does sound like Tank Davis and Frank Martin is a done deal. Um, what are your thoughts, though, just in general on on the Canelo stuff? I mean, you kind of gave your take on it before, but um, I got to admit, I did kind of get duped, John. I thought the third fight would be with Benavidez. Um, Clearly, it appears that wasn't the plan, uh, at least on Canelo's side. Um, I did get a little duped, uh, but when I started hearing this Charlo stuff, that pretty adamant that the May fight's going to be Charlo, he came out and and said it's going to be an American and and that type of thing. I thought, okay, well, if it's Charlo, they're going to at least break even, if not lose money, more than likely lose money on it. Okay, then, then we'll get the Benavides fight. But I did get duped on that. Um, but what are your thoughts in general? I mean, I can see both sides, the PBC and Canelo on that one, because it's like, well, if they do give you Charlo – and you're not going to fight Crawford or Benavidez next, then who the hell are you going to fight? Um, so maybe it does make sense. And they were even willing to offer a Mungia in that May spot because they felt they could – we even talked about how that would probably sell better at this point because that Charlo fight is just not working right now. Um, you know, maybe he gets a good win, and, you know, who knows? But right now – it's just a non-starter. What, what are your thoughts, uh, you know, on the uh, the one-fight deal instead of three-fight deals, uh, the breakup, so to speak? And then you hear that it's Berlanga, then Mungia. It seems like almost – well, first on the PBC part, it does almost, almost seem like a miscommunication because I'm trying to think it was one of the more credible reporters – reported because otherwise I wouldn't even mention or pay attention right before right. we got on that said, yeah, apparently what PBC was saying was like, yeah. And, and this is what you and I thought the deal probably was from the beginning that PBC was like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have you fight Jamal in May. And then, but then Benavides in September and, and you and I figured with Canelo, like we talked earlier, 33, not real tall for the weight he's at. Uh, you know, you're going to slow up some. He's not high volume. 
I don't think it's getting near the end, you know, where he's going to, not where he's going to be totally done, but where he's going to tail and start tailing significantly, probably is already, but, you know, significantly, uh, that the Benavidez fight, we were saying that from the beginning, as the last fight of the deal would make sense for all parties. In other words, you know, Canelo taking the risk in a big fight right. against the Mexican-American who's been waiting for him for a while is the top threat at 168 pounds. Uh, and then, you know, assuming that's high risk, he might lose, uh, then he could figure out where he wants to go from there. He made plenty of money. And, uh, sure. nope. you know, that PBC deal would be over, and he, his U.S. exposure would be high at that point again, you know, coming back after the being on the zone for a while except for the plant fight. But apparently Canelo, you know, from these reports, Canelo and his team just didn't like didn't like that plan. And PBC, this is all reports, even the haters are kind of saying it, that, you know, PBC yeah, yeah. is saying, no, we, we can't economically make that work. You know, if you're going to fight Jamal Charlo and then whoever you feel like it. And then I think what, what where there were credible reports, which this did surprise me because, you know, yeah, me too. Look, there is there is so there is still side of the street things, and if PBC sure. is still yeah, going to be working point. for Canelo, I'm not saying Canelo. I'm, I'm picking Munguia over Canelo, but your De La Hoya fantasy getting you know having Munguia get a shot at Canelo. I mean, whether it's yeah. on a PBC, whether it's on a PBC, he was card even shocked, John. Yesterday in an interview, he <laughs> right. was shocked. He was like. Well, I don't think it's going to happen in May. No, I don't, you know, because he was like, yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't see this coming, you know. Yeah, he would have. I mean, that would have been his dream. I think I don't think they, they may have turned down Charlo. They wouldn't turn that one down. I don't No, No, that would that's that's awesome. No, I agree. I, to have Munguia become the next Canelo, you know, he pulls the upset uh-huh. and then. Oscar, in his mind, he wants to try to make Wungi into a Canelo anyway. So what better way than to beat right. the man? So that's a dream for Oscar, and I'm sure that's the dream he's got. I mean, it is amazing to me that, like, I really don't feel Golden Boy's stuff's gone well for a long time. But it's just funny how life can turn, sports and life, like where, yeah. you know, if Munguia gets the Canelo shot and, and beats him, that all of a sudden then it's going to be like Oscar was just waiting with this guy waiting, yeah. having him having him fight not that tough of opposition, get right. criticized, and then having it fall into the perfect spot that he'd always dreamed, the successor to Canelo, and he's got him. <laughs> you know, like, it, yeah. that, and that could happen with his own thing. Now, what I think is a problem, and, it, and look, that's why Canelo made that move, and I thought it was a smart move. Look, he, he's on free Mexican TV. You always got to say that. I know, obviously, cares about that. He's Mexican, but he spends so much time in the U.S. I know you just want to get paid, and and maybe for what opponent you want to fight. But still, Canelo's made a lot of money. Yeah, I, I I still think you know getting and look, his profile, relatively speaking, was fading on his own. You know, fighting British guys on his own was not helping his profile in the U.S. You could tell by the live gate, and you could tell by the pay-per-view. Yep. It definitely was. You know, yeah, the two it, fights he did with PBC both did big gates and solid-ass pay-per-views comparatively. Yeah, you would hear what the pay-per-view numbers were for those fights. These DAZN pay-per-view numbers for Canelo 
with these guys he was fighting like Ryder, I mean, they weren't seeing the light of day, really. So, you know, I mean, you know they weren't good. DAZN just doesn't – we've said it a million times. They don't have the marketing capability. They don't have that built-in, you know, lower-cost marketing exposure to, to, to build these fights, even though PBC really has fallen. You just have to say it because it's true. Has fallen into too many pay-per-views, at least with the Showtime, Paramount, CBS yeah. apparatus. They could – and before that, Fox. They could promote these things reasonably, where DAZN could not. You know, ESPN, top rank, they can, when they need to, they can promote those things. You know, not that they've had a hit pay-per-view on their own, but, but the promotion part's there. But then think of how bad it is for DAZN when they can't promote it on their own. Now, you know, Amazon is a player in certain sense, and in, in the new... Well, we still got to find out, you know. But we don't know. And, and I, I did see in that deal... I don't think I've, I mean, it's been reported, but I haven't seen a lot of people talk about it. So I do want to mention it. The Amazon deal, but it makes it kind of not special too, though, even though it's more exposure, like the, the pay-per-views are going to be available for re, also with, on regular cable system, satellite, et cetera. So, you know, there's not really a lot exclusive about this Amazon deal so far. It's kind of like a pay-per-view distribution and, I think it was Raphael reported today or yesterday that, and this might be accurate, that the the first non-pay-per-view PBC car is not even going to be to like June at the earliest now. So yeah, they said June. Yep. Yeah, you know, not not much special, not much special there so far. We we got to we got to call it like we see it. So I don't know if they're going to be, I don't know if they're going to be. We'll see. You know, weird things can happen. We just talked about the Oscar with Munguia after all this time, might might have an opening, waiting, waiting, waiting. But you, you would think at least what we see right now, PBC is going to be having some trouble getting enough exposure with, with some of these guys in their stable, um, just building them up. So right. uh, we're going to see how that how that plays out. You know, you know, PBC, it was an advantage they created by hard work and right. business decisions. You know, they were at an advantage for years from 2015 for, for, you know, years after that, getting their guys this exposure where I always said repeatedly that competition can't really compete with what they've been doing. But now that's top rank for me. I mean, that top rank has moved into that slot for, for whatever reasons, because the zone can't compete with that. And the way the PBC is doing it right this moment, they're really not either. So if this continues for a few years, top ranks stables, going to have an advantage um yeah as long as they can build fighters and you know get the gates higher and really start to get that mainstream thing because sometimes i i really want them to put a better fight on when they get that college football not the heisman but the fall stuff because they they generally get a big pop from those ratings and they still got to figure out maybe going right to the main event like we talked about put the go feature in the background because, uh, you know, they have the matchmakers, they have the talent, but they need the B side. That's the key. You need the B side. You got an A side, cool, but you need the B side too. So, yeah, we'll see. I was just surprised though. Like you said, I just, it's weird because Raphael's saying the three guys were Jamel and Jamal and Spence. 
But then, but then he says he doesn't want to fight Crawford. So it's kind of like, well, hold on. Like Mel and Spence and Crawford would be the guys coming up in weight, like multiple weight classes, because that's what he said. Well, and I can understand what he's saying, Canelo, about, well, I won't get any credit for beating another guy coming up in weight, like, you know, from 54 and 47. But it's kind of like, well, supposedly Spence was in on that three, the three guys you were going to fight. And Mel came from 54 anyway. So that's where I was kind of lost because it's like, well, obviously Spence is off the table right now. So where were they going to go? And they were willing to give you Mungi. That's what threw me off. For a guy who two years ago fought Bivol or Bival, that's where I was a little surprised. And I actually think that, hey, if that's what you want to do, you you want to fight Berlanga, then Mungi, that's your choice, Canelo. You know, no problem. You didn't sign up for that Benavides fight. That's that's fine. But on the same breath, I I think it's a smart breakup for both then, because I don't think the PBC should pay for two fights that they're going to lose money on either. You know, so I, I it's kind of nice we got closure on it. To be honest with you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like, all right, we at least know we're not getting Benavides now, so let's move on, and, and they can move on too. Now Charlo can fight either his mandatory and Carlos Adamas, who is probably a good fight for him to come back to to see if he can get any kind of form of 2020 or go up and move move up and fight, uh, you know, plan. Because that's one that's already kind of built. They have that rivalry going on. And, and then Benavidez fighting Bostick and, you know, just, just so they can move on too. Um, but you're right. It is a wait and see as far as uh, – the Amazon deal because we got it. We've always said we got to see what they give for the subscription ones too, not just good fights on paper. You got to see what they give you on the subscription uh, base too. So, um, other any other items? What do you think about the Barclays uh, hosting Haney and Garcia? Well, yeah, you know, I'm always in favor with the history of East Coast getting big fights, but I don't feel. Just myself, I don't feel like this is the one. These are like West Coast guys to me, um, Haney and Garcia. So, you know, this is an odd it, – it's a you know, big fight. I feel like this is an odd fight for it, but I always like the East Maybe Coast. Maybe California or Texas? Is you yeah, thinking because the Vegas maybe, thing was going to get a little shut down from the Canelo two weeks before? Yeah, I guess Vegas, Vegas, Vegas apparently had some availability problems. This did seem to me to be a Vegas fight, but – Oh, yeah, think yeah. somewhere in the west, somewhere in the west, if it wasn't going to be Vegas. But I'm always up for the East Coast getting a big fight with the history, and the, it, it doesn't with boxing not get, getting covered like it used to. The built-in media exposure is not as powerful as it used to be, but I still think it's better than other places. I, I know a lot of people are down on them right now, but and I know the amateurs are the amateurs, but still, considering they split in the amateurs, um, I'm surprised how big of an underdog. Garcia is. Um, that actually, believe it or not, that actually surprises me. I mean, I, I would certainly expect him to be the underdog, but I see Haney as like a minus seven hundred favorite. That that surprises me. It's that high, um, you know, because Gar, Garcia's got more firepower and he is fast, and and he's also tall for the weight. So, you know, there there are and he's got amateur pedigree. I mean, like there's there's attributes there. I mean, um, I know Haney's on a pretty good run right now, but but I'm I'm surprised 
I'm surprised that the odds are that much in Haney's favor. That keeps jumping out at me. That 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 does surprise me a bit. Yeah, that's a good clarification, though, as far as, like, business-wise, is it the best fight to be there? Looking at it from that perspective, that's sure. Now, I don't know if Haney would do the fight in Texas or even in, you know, Southern California. Maybe he'd do it in Frisco, but they, you know, they're not – I don't think – I don't think he was going to be in California based off neither guy wanted to kind of give that up, um, in my opinion anyway, and I doubt he'd do it in Texas. It, you're right. It does scream Vegas, but I guess I'm just happy that the the East Coast, whether it's the big room at MSG or Barclays, who have had such a nice run, um, it's just nice to that the East Coast is getting a, fight, a good fight. You can I've already talked to you know multiple East Coasters and they're really happy. They're like, yeah, I'm going. Dude. This is awesome. So yeah, you're right. The combination, uh, you know. Is kind of interesting. Any other items uh, that you want to talk about, sir? Uh, that's that's pretty much it. We did touch a, a lot a, on a lot of that stuff. I, I wanted to touch on, in, in addition to the in the ring, the out of the ring, where kind of things stand. I, I think top rank, and it can change. It can change, but I think at the moment, top rank's position pretty good. But they haven't been able now. I, I'm, I'm happy to get the free stuff, but it's, it's for some of the reasons I think, like you point out, that we, and we've pointed out, the start times. You know, sometimes when right. you think a role could be going, you get a fight like Stevenson De Los Santos or or Ortiz Tiafimo Lopez. Uh, they haven't been able to build up their own pay per view yet, um, so it, it hasn't resulted in that. Now PBC was able to do that some, um, but Top Rank hasn't yet. But what they're doing now could possibly lead to it. I see they also added a Jogba Vianello to the Anderson uh, uh-huh. card coming yep. up. You know, maybe not not great, but not again for for quote unquote free. Not not terrible either. Uh, you know, heavyweights. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I'm okay with it. I mean, you know, again, free. I, I, you know, I'm kind of. Vianello's a big guy. He's he's not, you know, he's he's definitely flawed, and and he's had some rough spots, but he's not without talent. So you know, Jogba's not always on point. So I'm not saying Jogba doesn't take him out, but uh, you know, he he's a big guy with some skills. Not 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 terrible uh, for free. Uh, so. You know, they're, they're, they're kind of on a roll. And like you said, it's interesting that they've been doing this lately because usually it's the summer when they've been doing it, and, and they may still. So if there's going to be a roll, uh, it, it's kind of started earlier in the year, and, and you would expect that yeah. that the summer will be, well, they'll, may, they'll be running even more. So I guess maybe by the end of the summer when NFL starts, you know, we, we kind of know how much momentum. I think we can say that in the U.S. We kind of know how much momentum top ranks built uh, by that point. That'll be a little interesting. And PBC will just be w- waiting and watch to see if they can get it back going. The zone, they're just kind of stuck in the sense where you know, they have fights. There's no doubt about that. You know, working with her and Golden Boy, they're still having fights, but you know, 20, 20 plus bucks a month, nothing really else on there. Uh, not not a not a good. That's just kind of like a pay per view type thing, almost. You know, uh, 
it feels that not, way no, with the, the per yeah. per uh, month. That's for sure. <laughs> the per month, right? Not the greatest, not the greatest deal. So that's that's uh, that's that's about it for tonight. I think we uh, I think we pretty much covered everything where it stands. And just for me, I I just think I'll wrap it up with I've said it before. I'll say it again. I just still hate to see a guy who he still is the most popular fighter in the U.S. when you break it down, but. That's why I hate to see Canelo getting buried, figuratively speaking, on the zone again. Uh, you know, U.S. exposure. I just, I just don't like that. I, that's why I wish the PBC thing would have worked out. And, they, and, and people forget he still has that two fights with him, with the Plant fight and the Jamel Charlo fight. Uh, but I, I would have liked. Yeah, and it didn't end up in court or nothing like that. So that you know, who knows? Maybe next year, but. Yeah, yeah. The Crawford Benavides combo would have been uh, some really good B sides for him, you know. Yeah, I'd like to see him. I would have liked to see him finish out before a real big slide with fights with big U.S. exposure. Yeah, with with you know really Americans involved. Let's face it. Um, I I think that would have been good for him. I think that would have been good for the sport, and it would be good for American boxing. And uh, I'm with you. It could still. It's happened once when we didn't expect it. It could happen again, but mm-hmm. uh, right now it, it's, not, it's this year. <laughs> not, not this year, not for the next couple of fights. And if Canelo then does take the slide, uh, that's going to be too bad because uh, in this l- l- latter stages of his career, I think the, the U.S. exposure could have been better, but he didn't go in that direction. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we'll see where that goes. And then, you know, Jared Anderson, I think it is time to keep stepping him up this year, you know, for top yeah. rank. Get, you He's know, they, he they signed some heavyweights. Yeah, it, it's time to make a move with him and see what you got there. Sure, two different times he got hurt against Martin, but he was winning that fight cleanly. So, you know, it's funny when you're talking about uh, the Garcia and the social media and, and then the child, you know, the parent-child thing. Right, I'm pretty right. sure Minnesota – just passed a law recently that that deals with that exact same thing. Make sure the kid isn't getting completely taken advantage of financially from social yep. media by the parents. You know, kind of yep. like the child a, uh, actor. You know that yep, type of thing. Exactly. They just passed exactly. a law that says we got to make sure this is going in some sort of account here because this this is ridiculous. Um, if the kid's not getting it and they're using the kid, you know, so, uh, but yeah, yeah that, that really made me think of that. Really? That's the same issue. Yeah. It was a really good article. On yeah. That. I got to check and, that and out. Some of these parents, some of these parents who have no morals or they right. sold their soul, you know, they have, they have the kids getting peeped by perverts, you know, on, on Instagram oh with God. these accounts and subscription and the parents are making 200,000 a year, you know? So, yeah, yeah it's not the, it wasn't the most pleasant context, but they went through all the numbers, the social media yeah. numbers, you know, how the advertisers work it. Really, really deep article front page on Sunday. And, uh, yeah, a lot of, lot, of info, lot of relevant information like that. But, but so you see, yeah, when it gets to a certain level of social media following, the, which you could kind of assume, but, but how the money gets involved and that. A lot of the uh-huh. younger generations already, they're growing up, they, they want to be an influencer, you know, when they, <laughs> of course. they're already thinking about it as they're growing up. And that 
we want that does remind you too of of where the Jake Paul thing matters. I, I'm still in favor of him doing it because it's still mm-hmm. uh, I'll still say it helps boxing. And when I yeah, read about it's not a bad thing. Yeah, no, with the social media and and the future and and the way the kids that you know, the younger people especially where that that is just like their outlet for a lot of things, seeing things, you know, getting influenced, uh, you know, products, things like that. I mean, yeah, it's 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 just a critical part of marketing, especially to younger people. So Jake Paul is definitely part of that. All right, there you have it. I appreciate you uh, stopping by, and we'll uh, talk to you next week, John. All right, Chris, great talking with you as always. All right, have a good night. Take care, you too. All righty. Um, just to kind of go over the Andy Cruz, I, I did think that, you know, he started out landing that right hand to the body and all that and started finding a home with that straight right to the head and all that, landing the jab a little bit more and more. Um, and his opponent was starting to move a lot, but I did like how he was mixing up the right hand. Uh, you know, to both the head and body and whatnot. But, yeah, after a while, it was kind of like, ah, he could have stepped on the gas more. I do have to agree. I wasn't all that impressed with uh, uh, the doo-doo fought Pablo Cesar uh, Cano. Um, Giasov, Giasov, I think it is. Um, I know that, what was it, left hand to the body? I think that got Pablo. Spit his mouthpiece out. But Pablo, like he does, man, this dude is uh, hes a tough son of a gun, I'll tell you that. He started bringing the pressure after that, and that uh, Jasov, I think it is, he was missing wildly with a fair amount of his uh, shots. He wasn't all that sharp. Um, able to counter, when, when, when Pablo would come to him, it's like he would – he wasn't able to get his shots off, and uh, and then he was holding too much, um, and I just I thought he was tying up too much. Uh, now they did exchange some low blows. I do remember that out of the fight, but there was like a well, the ref was like he broke his ankle. It's like well, we don't know if he broke his ankle, but he definitely you know messed up his ankle. Uh, so you know he ended up winning the fight. Uh, you know. Like, I think all of them had 109.99 or something like that. I wasn't all that impressed with with that. Another thing is, I got a message. Did, 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 was it Sergio? Who said at the end of the Berlanga fight that he's the Brooklyn Beast? The Brooklyn Beast is back or something like that. I thought he said the Brooklyn Beef is back, but the Brooklyn Beast is back. I just, I don't know, dude. They were, like, talking old boy up that he was fighting, that he had all this power. uh, eh, You know how it is. Nowadays, the the broadcasters are just like, I'm good. You know what I mean? It's a little too much. A little too much for me. Um, But, yeah, I did like what I saw out of that Becca Suga or whatever the hell that dude's name is that was fighting um, Tanaka. I I thought he really brought it, man. Um, I know that's, what is it, the fourth division now with Tanaka? Baka Saga, something like that. Yeah, he really gave a good account for himself. Um, I believe I said that when we were talking about it. But, yeah, that was a good fight. Like I said, most of the time it was inside. 
took a little while to, you know, for Tanaka to, to get his room, you know, get his range and, and start really landing good shots, and he did. But that was a good fight. That was a very competitive fight. All right, I'd like to definitely thank Antonio Vargas. If you haven't seen his fight with Rodriguez, check it out, man. It was a good fight. And then, you know, given my take on that um, that Komatov and Ford, I do think it is a 50-50. I mean, just looking at it from uh, Komatov, you know, uh, he loves to throw hooks with both hands. <laughs> and sometimes he'll double up with those hooks. A lot of times, I'd say especially with the left hook, but he'll double up, whether it's to the head or body. Um, he's looking to do damage, that's for sure. Um, you know, he, he, I like the distance that he fights at. He fights, uh, like, with good footwork. He's kind of light on his toes, you know, light on his feet. Uh, but he will stand there and, you know, in kind of rapid fire punches. Um, he's got pretty quick hands, I'd say. Seems like he's got a long uh, reach. Like he looks like he's got long arms, very fluid combination puncher. I will say sometimes he'll fall in love with the hook combos, and it just be, and it just he'll just get open. He'll just be wide open. And I'm wondering if now Raymond Ford kind of switching to him, if some of those counter shots can really find a home. Um, you know, he's definitely the more tested fight, like we fighter, like we said, I mean, neither of them have a lot of fights, but, you know, the Thomas Patrick Ward, that was probably the, that was the best, uh, you know, Kolmatov, you know, fought, and, you know, there's nothing wrong, you know, it's okay, he's okay fighter, Um, but you could definitely see clearly, you know, based off Magdanello, based off, um, you know, Edward Vasquez. That was a good fight. Now, that fight could have went either way. Uh, even Perez, you know. Uh, even uh, Belletti, or B- Belletti, the dude who just fought recently. You know, so he has for only like 15 fights or whatever. This is a 16th fight. I, you know, I, I think that experience could be the difference in this. I, I really do. Um, like I said, will those fights, you know, like, did it help Ford or did he show kind of he's not on a high level? That's what we're going to kind of find out. But it feels like of late he got something out of those fights. Um, now, Perez and Vasquez did have him on the ropes probably too much, and both of them were competitive. Like I said, that, that Vasquez fight was very competitive, no doubt about it. Um, but I do think that Ford, who generally will throw his jab and throw in two-punch combinations, there are times where he'll go a little too long without uh, a decent punch rate or, like, a, not a high punch rate, but I just – I think he's got to make sure that he keeps up with that. I did think Vasquez, who's a good fighter in his own right, I did think that some of that pressure he was bringing was – well, it was very effective, you know. And this happened a while ago now. It was, shoot, almost two years ago. I know it was in 2022. I don't remember the exact date. And, uh, you know, shit, he just lost. Yeah, it was It was actually, yeah, it was a, a little over two years ago. It was February. 
And, you know, he went and had, like, a majority decision loss, you know, against uh, Cordenia. So, I mean, that's a real fight, for, especially for someone where he was at for, uh, you know, as far as the amount of uh, fights he's had. So, you know, um, I do like the straight left hand or the left hook, whether it's lead or counter. I do think the counter is coming around now. Um, he's got really fast hands. I think he's pretty active with this jab. Hopefully he lands. Uh, he definitely needs to land, like, meaningful jabs in this fight. Um, and, you know, like, some of the looping shots were able to land on him. Uh, Vasquez on forward, and then, like I said, a fair amount of that fight, he was trapped on the ropes, and he was able to reach that body, so Ford definitely got hit a little too cleanly for my liking, but then again, he's fighting a quality fighter, and I, I, I'm actually going to go with the minor upset here. I think Raymond Ford will, will just kind of put it all together. We've seen of late how he's improved, and you know, we're going to find out his level. And, you know, I just think those prove-it fights um, did something for him. And I think that'll ultimately be the difference. But So I am going to put a little plus money on him. I do think it'll go the distance. But I think he's going to – it may take him a little bit. And it's not going to be easy. He's going to be – you know, he will be on the ropes and all that. And this is a different type of pressure because – Kind of what Malinazzi said, you know, the mental pressure, like, does kind of pivot and swing around you and circle you and all that, but he does leave himself open. So it's a different type of pressure. And maybe this type of boxing slash boxer pressure, maybe this, like, I would say rapid fire punching with, like, circling and pivoting, that's going to be different than consistently trapping you on the ropes. Um, and although at times he looked comfortable there, you don't really want to spend a whole lot of time there. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, that, that – and I do have Lopez winning too, but I'm going to pick the slight underdog as well in Raymond Ford, but I'm looking forward to that. I think Serrano will win. Uh, Jake Paul, you know, I think he'll win too. Um, so Tank Davis, Frank Martin, sounds like it's going to be either June or July – I do like the fight. Um, a lot of us assumed, because I think it, it's probably a better financial fight, uh, that Isak Cruz would have been the rematch. I think that fight could do 300000 uh on pay-per-view. I really do, actually. I, I've gotten a lot of shit for that when I've said that in the past. But I think it can. Um, but so it's kind of a nice surprise that sometimes the boxing business turn out how you just assume and so I'm not calling Frank Martin a killer by any stretch of the imagination but I, I like that fight um, now you assume it's on a Amazon pay-per-view I have heard a little murmur that it maybe that other deal that we talked about maybe that would lead that because clearly Amazon is leading with some other people and they thought they were going to have Canelo but I don't know um, I got some message about Sh- Shakur that this Floyd Schofield saying you got to fight Abdul Mason to 
I mean, you you got dudes that are ranked pretty high, right, on your own. How about Mertaya? Fight him, you know? Um, but, yeah, they're talking a little Twitter fingers. I, I don't really – I'm not paying attention to that. I will say this. This caught my, my eye. Actually, somebody's saying that I'm ducking certain elements. Du- I'm ducking certain elements of the – basically, Glazer was right. He called it right. That, that Canelo's not with the PBC anymore. Now, he said he wasn't going to be in the PBC, but they said they didn't have the money to pay him, which they actually had higher offers to pay to fight Benavides and Crawford. But that's neither here nor there. All this reporting, none of it said they don't have a guarantee they don't have money to pay him. That's why he left. Now, like I said, if, in fact, that was the case, then that means he still has that two-fight on the deal, and he can sue them. If they owe him money that they couldn't come up with the money, then they'll then Canelo can sue them. Am I, am I right there? Because he thought he was getting jerked around, which he was, uh, with Golden Boy. Because, you know, they told the zone, you have the right in refusal for fights, and Canelo thought he did. So they did go behind his back. So he got out of that contract, right? He thought he had a guarantee of this amount of money for anybody he fights. Now, in this scenario, clearly, you know, well, hold on, hold on. You're not going to run the show. Hold on. Let me let me get to some other stuff before we get to that stuff, okay? Um, <laughs> the WBO, okay? WBO 154, okay? By the way, you know, this is a this could be a positive because like I said, we now know that Canelo's not gonna fight Crawford, okay, because he doesn't think he uh you know, he wouldn't get any credit. Which which I can understand what he's saying, but you know that's neither here nor there, although I guess it is. Um so it sounds like the WBO, here it is, this is from Fight Hype, WBO president revealed that he and Terrence Crawford uh, have discussed the possibility of Crawford moving up to 154 for his next fight. Crawford could use his status as WBO super champion <laughs> to automatically become the WBO mandatory for Tim Zhu. Of course, he has to get through the fight with Thurman. But even if he didn't, then he could fight Thurman, you know? Um, so, now, I'm not, I know that he doesn't get the WBO belt if he wins. So, it is what it is. But I like that idea, man. I really like that idea. And there are fights to be made at 54. So, I think that's pretty cool. I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. Um, it also seems like Benavides and Volstick are going to fight. So Benavides is going to go to 75 and get the w, WBC interim belt, or I should say attempt to. Sorry about that, Volstick. Um, so he can be Mandos at 168, 175. Now, it's the WBC Mando. Will they call the Mando for both 75 or 68 or not, you know? That's where it gets a little funky because they're supposed to, in March, technically, but one of these, uh, you know, 
maybe April, maybe May, after Canelo's fight, he is the WBO, WBO, WBC are supposed to mandate Benavidez for Crawford. Or, I mean, goddamn, I'm all over the place. I was just talking about Crawford. For Canelo. So, it, it appears that he would just drop the belt now because he had a chance to fight him, and he didn't. But I do like the Volstick fight because it just makes sense. You get in line, and that's what he's got to do. And he may get the loser of, you know, Baturbia and Bivol or Bivol, you know, because, you know, the Saudis have plans for the winner to go up to the cruiserweight fight. So either way, I just – Vostik is a name that you can measuring stick. I know he's been off. I'm not calling it a 50-50 fight. Um, at least he got – three fights against the lower level comp, but at least he got three camps in three fights last year. So if he's ever going to be good to go, it seems like, okay, now it, at least, like I said, he got those fights and stuff. Now, would it be better if he would have went against like a top 15 guy and then be like, oh shit, Bostick is back. Yeah, it definitely would. I don't, you know, it's kind of weird because Eddie Renoso <laughs> is, is like advising him slash training him. So for a second there, folks were like, before the news came out today, a lot of folks are like, wait, they're going to have him go to 75 and then fight him back at 68. You know, this is actually helping out Eddie. I don't know. I did see this, though, that – so the <laughs> we'll, we'll get into this Canelo stuff a little bit but um, Berlanga was the number nine super middleweight, right? Um, and, you know, he just was in a title eliminator for the WBA, right? Uh, for the WBA super middleweight, right? So we know who has that. Now, the interim WBA is David Morrell, as we know. But the ring has learned that Alvarez Berlanga would satisfy a mandatory title defense obligation with the sanctioning body if they were to fight. Alvarez also has an out, out, wait, outstanding, though yet to be ordered, mandatory for the IBF, right? So, you know, we could say he's getting boxed in, but but is he? <laughs> you know, is he really? Okay, so... So basically, there was one more meeting between uh, Al and uh, and Canelo and his team, right? And it was like, all right, let's sit down one more time. I heard this from a couple different sources. One was uh, MVO on the on the uh, brunch boxing. Shouts out to him. And then also Jake Donovan tweeted it, and he said, you know. He was told that there's one final meeting to determine Canelo and the PBC future. Uh, little indication to believe anything will come of it beyond what was already reported by Chaba and Coventure, right? So basically, um, like I said earlier, like one, Canelo chooses who he wants to fight, bottom line, right? And in this agreement, it sounds like Dan Raphael said – Jermel Charlo, Jermel Charlo, and Spence were the three fighters that he thought he was going to fight. Now, obviously, Spence got taken off the table. 
but he didn't want to fight Crawford. Which, I'll say this, like, I get both sides, like I mentioned before. Mello, if these potential opponents, if, if uh, you know, if Benavidez wasn't on the potential opponent list, then oh well. Right? I get it. You know, he's not contractually obligated. The thing is, you can't guarantee, like, you can't guarantee fights, future fights. It's actually illegal. It breaks the Ali Act. And so even the wording that Dan Raphael said, they were looking for a guarantee that we'll give you the Charlo fight or we'll even give you Mugia or Crawford, but they wanted Mugia or Crawford before Charlo, but they were willing to give Charlo or to give him Jermall Charlo for May if, in fact, he agreed. And it's just being agreed to terms. Like, I agree I'll fight Benavides next. It's basically like a handshake. It's like it's not, it's not guaranteed, right? But it is agreed to terms. And then when you're done with the fight with Charlo, then you sign that contract, right, and, and that type of thing. And on one hand, you know, we heard – 55 million, 60 million, whatever. We heard one from Samson Boxing. And to be honest, with promoters and managers, even fighters, the shit's all over the place. And it seems like with social media rising, that the shit goes even crazier than it used to be. And so, are there sources you can trust? Of course. But a lot of times, it's it's like he said, she said, and then what happened, right? So, just I like to go over all of it. I don't like to just take little things out of it and be like, oh, see, look. Or, oh, look, he ducked Benavides. Well, he didn't think he was fighting Benavides. So is that a duck? I mean, the contract called for not Benavides, right? That, that's what we're told. But then on the flip side, Canelo's saying, well, I don't want to fight Crawford because I won't get credit. Well, you just fought a 154-pounder. And supposedly reportedly by Dan Raphael, Spence was on that list. So wouldn't he be a 47 coming up just like Crawford? Are you going to get credit for that? I mean, I know at the time before the fight with Spence and Crawford, Spence was clearly the bigger name, but it just feels like, well, hang on. If you were willing to fight Spence, why don't you fight Crawford then? It's a little funky. I'll say that. Um, and if you look at it, the two other offers for multi-fight deals with the PBC, one back in, you know, for when, when he got off the Golden Boy deal and ended up going with uh, Callum Smith, Yildrum, and Billy Joe Saunders, um, they were uh, Spence was offered at a catchweight, Jamal Charlo, and Benavides, right? And then, in, in, you know, before he signed with the fall, and for Bavall and Golovkin in 2022, that same triple pack with Jamal Charlo, with Spence at a catchweight, and with Benavides was, was, was given then. So that's why most of us thought that was the package. Like, it doesn't surprise me that Spence was in the package, but it does surprise me that it was both Charlo brothers. I will say that. Now, Samson Boxing put out a number out there. It was close to what the other offers were previously, 
whatever. He deleted the thing. Samson Boxing will, but Samson will say anything. Some of it's true. A lot of it's not, though. He's not a good source, is my point. Now, Benavides Sr., he said, listen, I'm not making the offers, but we were offered the fight from um, to fight Canelo. But we were offered $5 million straight up, and, they, and he said we took it. We said well, we're, we're ready to fight him. And he felt like Benavides Sr. felt like they were feeling it out to see if they were going to ask for more money, and then they could go do a press run saying, hey, we offered him, but he didn't want the fight. Okay. Now, Eddie Reynoso, now this isn't yesterday, but this is somewhat recently, he said, no one's offered us the Benavides fight. Now, does that mean it wasn't in the original agreements, right? Like, all you do is agree to, I'm with you for three fights or five fights or whatever. Opponents are discussed, sure, but there's nothing guaranteed until you get just the amount of fights. It's not... You can't guarantee fight two and three and four. I used the example of Holyfield Tyson before before it actually happened. Buster Douglas, right? Holyfield sitting there watching it, knowing he's got a contract with over twenty million on it, but it's not official yet. Tyson has to win the fight, then that happens, you know. So, so he said that that wasn't offered. Then. We come to find out now, and maybe it was in that last-ditch effort of saying, hey, you know, because there was all sorts of reports out there. And one of them said that basically Canelo, you know, put his foot on in the ground. He drew a line in the sand and said, either I'm fighting Charlo in May or there's no fight in May. Which, like I said, if he didn't think he was going to be offered Benavides, that's his own prerogative. Whatever. It's all good. It is what it is, right? But now we have found out that it's reported anyway that he was offered the Benavides fight, that he would get that Charlo fight, and then you'd have to give us the Benavides fight, right? Or they were willing to switch Munguia. They were willing to say fight Munguia which isn't even on the platform, right? He's with the zone. He's with Golden Boy. And they were saying, how about Crawford Benavides? Or Mungia, he only wanted Charlo for May fight. And he wouldn't, you know, so they decided to go their separate ways. Like I said, it didn't end as we know it right now. Um, it didn't end in a lawsuit. Uh, Canelo didn't sue the PBC era Hyman. Now, Will he? I don't know. But until that time comes, and I'm not saying, you know, that he won't. I'm just saying until that time comes, we'll see. We heard a lot of alleged stuff from DeZone, from Golden Boy, and from uh, Canelo when they when Golden Boy and them broke up. And then there was a lawsuit. And what was alleged in the lawsuit is that you know, Golden Boy double-crossed him. Well, he may have felt like, hey, dude, I told you I was going to fight these fights. Obviously, Spence is taken off, though, so who was he going to fight? So when I look at it from the PBC side, like I mentioned, if it's Charlo and you're you're willing to either try your best to break even, but odds are you, you may lose money. You'll probably lose money on that fight. Who you fight next, if it's not Benavides, 
and it's not Crawford, and then it's really not Spence, who are you going to fight then? If you're not, and it's not Mungia because they offered him Mungia. So, and Eddie Hearn's like, well, we'll make the Benavides fight no problem. He'll fight him. It's like, well, dude, he just, he had a chance to. He's been offered Benavides three separate times now. Three separate times. Now, you can say whatever you want, duck or whatever, but he did, he's been offered reportedly three separate times in a package with Benavides. Now, was it a different type of package this time? That's sure. And that's why they were amending the contract. They were trying to work out, they were trying to find an in between. And, you know, and Canelo has every right to say, hey, dude, our supposedly, according to Dan Raphael, it was both Charlo brothers and Spence. And that's what it was. And so that's what he signed up for, which I got to admit, I was surprised hearing that, if in fact that's true. And so they couldn't come to a common ground, so they moved on. And that's, you know, Chapa, that's Coppinger. It is what it is. So, you know, and, and now it sounds like the two leading candidates, obviously, are Berlanga and Mungia. And there's a report out there from the same same group of reporters saying that he wants Berlanga first. Now, if he goes to, like, if he's talking about credit, first of all, you weren't going to get a ton of credit for, for uh, beating Jamal Charlo, and technically not even Mel. You sure as hell aren't going to get credit for fighting Spence now. So you, you're not going to get credit for Berlanga. And if you take care of Mungia easy, which I'm not saying he will, I'm just saying you're not going to get credit there either. So either way, you're not going to look good in this stuff. <laughs> so, um, but as far as like, you know, as far as like they couldn't, the escrow and, you know, what Glazer said, there's been no reports on that. Now they said, you know, there was a, a, a couple people talking about that, that Mexico deal with Azteca, right? How that maybe um, that, that extension, I think it was a one year, two year, I think it was one year that he's not going to do pay-per-view. So that the, although the, the, the TV Azteca wanted to do pay-per-view, and I'm sure PBC wanted to. He did. He kept it free. Well, that's a revenue stream that they probably were counting on. So if you want to do the Charlo fight, then maybe that's why they said, all right, well, we'll pay you this for the Charlo fight, not the original thing, because that's a revenue stream gone now. So I don't. I like to take it from all angles, but to say that just blindly that he was right, was he? Because it, it sounded like they offered him more money to fight Crawford and, and Benavides, going off the reports that everybody's going off of. So you can say anything you want, but in, in like I said, if you look at this is uh, March 6, 2022. Canelo, this is unboxing. Canelo stands firm that the top names should fight each other to land a payday. And by the way, because he said, I'm set now, right? I'm going to fight Bufal and I'm fighting Golovkin. That's who he was lined up. So whether it was Benavides or Charlo or Andre or uh, John Ryder or Mungia or whatever, he said, I'm busy this year, 
I know they want that payday, but I really don't understand why they don't fight each other. Fight each other, then I'll fight the wither of them. I don't fucking care, he said. Um, which I get it. You know, he was right at that time, and one person went out and fought some people in the weight class. And he's clearly the number one fighter, and we know who I'm talking about. So he did he, – he tried to make the Mungia fight not once but twice. Okay, Charlo had a, a agreed to terms deal with Mungia, and their their side struck it down. So they they either did fight people like Benavides, or they tried to. So if you fight Plant, then you fight Andre, have a great performance against Andre, and then you fight Mungia. That's fighting people at the weight class. So that's why the whole deserve stuff. You know, like I mentioned, Rocky Fielding, Yuldrum. Who the hell had Billy Joe Saunders look good against that at 168? I mean, Plant looked good, but he didn't have quality wins either. But I get it. That was the undisputed. But Billy Joe Saunders, I mean, Ryder looked like shit against Jacobs and against, uh, well, not really that dude got hurt, but I don't know. I mean, he's talking about, well, the PBC, they won't – now Eddie Hearn, of course, is saying, you know, we'll make the fight. It's just the PBC doesn't – you know, you can only – they have to, you have to fight on their platform. <clears throat> That's what he's saying. You have to fight on their platform. They won't do – they don't want to work with other promoters. And it's like, well, hang on. Like, that's a little misleading because, first of all, they were willing to have him fight Mungia. So is so if he's with the PBC, you're telling me they're ha- they'd fight on the zone for Mungia? I mean, were there PBC fighters that uh, you know when when Canelo was with Matchroom lately, did he fight PBC fighters? I remember we can go back Golovkin and Jacobs. Jacobs was in a scenario where the middleweight division at the time was on HBO and then it moved into zone, right? So he left the PBC. Al didn't hold him in some kind of contract. He left the PBC, went and fought Golovkin. And he, he did good enough in that fight, which it warranted a rematch, but that got him other fights on HBO. And then and then he got that once the zone came, he got the he got the fight with Canelo. Now he had to sign a three fight deal. And that's another thing that Eddie Hearn brought up today. Oh, you got to sign five fight deals. You do? I mean, Terrence Crawford only had to sign on the – he didn't sign with the PBC. Oshaki Foster got to fight Ray Vargas. He didn't sign with the PBC. So the only thing Crawford had a rematch, a two-way rematch, which was fair, a two-way rematch. He didn't have to sign on to like Haney did for those three fights or whatever. So Jacobs under uh, Matchroom had to sign a three-fight deal to the zone to fight Canelo. Now, I'm saying it was worth it, but what do you mean? I mean, Fulton just got done fighting on the – was that on Amazon over there? It was on ESPN Plus here. He just got done fighting over there. Like – Sean Porter in recent years went over to ESPN. Like, to, to, how many matchroom dudes come over to the PBC? 
or how many fights that, you know, when he says, oh, you know, it has to be on their platform. Well, you just offered Gervonta a vague amount of money to have him fight on the zone, didn't you? But we all know who's the A side. So, but yet they won't, they won't push back. But he's like, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll do the Berlanga. He, or not Berlanga, but we'll do the uh, we'll do that fight. We'll do we'll do the Benavides fight. He's not afraid of him. Well, he's been offered him three times. I'm not saying afraid, but for whatever reason, it doesn't want to fight him. And so, I don't know. I don't know. But we'll see. Like I said, the Mungia Canelo fight's a big fight for them, to zone and all that, because they need to have that two big numbers. And even the the the, the Haney. Um, Garcia fight. That's a big, it's a big number for the zone, and or it's a big fight for them because you could say whatever the fuck you want, but the two fights, if you look at the zone fights, right? Once they started going pay per view, I guess they they technically were pay per view for a, a, a casual fan that didn't want, or even like a bi weekly type. You know, pay attention to sport, but not as hardcore week to week. You could buy some of those fights on pay-per-view, but if you were a subscriber, you got them there for a while with Canelo, right? But ever since he went pay-per-view, even the Golovkin 3 fight didn't do as much as the two fights with, you know, Canelo and Canelo Plant and then Canelo and, uh, and Charlo. They didn't do the pay-per-view numbers that that did. The Bibble, the writer, I mean, they just they just didn't, you know? And the only one that they, even the Jacobs fight in the Kovalev fight, go look at those gates comparatively. Go look at most of his gates besides the Golovkin gate. But, but you can't really credit the zone for that because that fight had already done him over a million twice and uh, had done well, like 27 and 23 at the gate. Now, the Golovkin thing did great at the gate, but in that 18 to 20 million range, you know, for Plant and for Charlo, I mean, the numbers are what they are. So, but I I don't want to say just PBC, though, too. I want to say Showtime as well. But I also want to talk about PBC with the Fox, because that, uh, you know, if you look at Charlo, he did get a lot of exposure on Fox. And if you look at Plant, he got some exposure there, too. And let's not forget, right, in the summer, here's a quote from Boxing Scene from Hearn. Not every Canelo Alvarez fight was a success for DAZN. I'm not just saying this, but honestly, DAZN is fine with losing Alvarez. Um, it got to a stage where not every Canelo fight is a success for DAZN. He's a massive name who does massive numbers for us. He's always been a successor matchroom, which means I get a percentage of his money, which is true. And he's not putting up the money per se, to zone is. Um, but it comes to a point where the broadcaster says, am I getting value in the fights that are available? The answer was not necessarily. If we had Charlo or Benavides, things may be a bit different, but we don't. So... I like to look at it from all perspectives, okay? By the way, someone, someone said um, that Masudo did upset uh, 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 a young up-and-coming Sultan, Sultan in the first round. Good call. 
I did I did forget that. But if you're gonna celebrate, if you're literally gonna go celebrate him leaving, you know, first of all, you you, you were gonna dump on the fight. You were gonna shit on the fight. The Charlo fight. And like I said, I didn't want to see that fucking thing either. But I don't want to see Berlanga. Who the fuck is Berlanga be? Who did he fight? Come on. Like, this shows you where you're at as far as back where he belongs and, oh, man, they're going broke or what? It's just like, dude, what are we talking about? What are we talking about here? Like, you're clearly showing your ass here. By the way, cool boy Steph, I'll be back in the ring before summer. Cool. Um, Jim Karras, after watching every second of Kolmatov's footage that I could find, I now fully understand why Wood swerved him. Kolmatov is a or Kolmatov is a Kolmatov is a destroyer, a technically proficient southpaw boxer puncher with big power in both hands. Ford is an excellent fighter too, but he has his hands full. They're both southpaws, right? Rolled boxing. Before 2023, Benavides looked like a threat to Alvarez, but indiscretions and um, opponent, you know, his opponents left room to complain about not being chose. That or left no room, basically, little room to complain. And that is true. Uh, that changed last year. He earned the shot uh, at the champ of his class the right way with real quality wins. This all sucks. It is what it is. You know what I mean? It is what it is. Um, and then. Okay, so talking about that Hearn offer, right, because um, what he's talking about is um, Gervonta said, where's the 25 mil? Because remember, I said this. First of all, they said 10 to 15 million. That was the first offer, 10 to 15. Well, that's kind of bag. Is it 10 and then 15? Then they brought it up. Well, no, it's actually 25. 25. You could make up to 25 million, right? He, he tweeted – 25 million where, right? Because it says we would offer you 10 million plus upside of the gate pay-per-views, right? And Eddie got mad because he's like, you keep saying 25, because even in interviews, he would go 10 to 15. Then he said 25. Then he's like, 15 to 20 mil. I mean, if he don't want to fight him for 15 or 25 mil or, or upwards of 25, he kept changing it. He kept changing it. So, is the fight going to be the U.S.? I mean, he. my thing is, he does know what pay-per-view upside is. He just made a bunch of it. So, I don't know. He says he doesn't even know what an upside on the pay-per-view is. Turn on Tank refusing the Ben offer, right? He said, I'm just trying to be good for the sport and beat his ass in his hometown but the spoon-fed white boy keep trying to cheat me out of my fucking money. That's what that's what he said. So he probably got pissed at that, which I understand. I didn't say Hearn said I didn't say that I offered up twenty five mil. I said I offered my eight figures, which is ten million plus an upside on pay for you in the gate receipts. I think he could make anywhere from fifteen to twenty five for the Connor Ben fight. That's what he said. Now he didn't say it exactly like that, like in those interviews. He doesn't even know what it what an upside on pay-per-view in the gate even are. He really should have sit down and had a chat and hear an explanation about what they could make financially. Um, 
It's like, well, I'm pretty sure he knows what he's talking about, though, because he does have, because he's experienced in it. He knows exactly what that is. I'm sorry, but saying because Benavidez lost his belt on the scale or tested positive for coke four years ago, four fucking years ago, somehow makes it okay that Canelo isn't fighting him uh, in the present time is total horseshit. Uh, remember, Canelo tested positive for steroids. Remember that? Yeah. I mean, that is a good point. Steven Espinosa says absolutely nothing to do with escrow. Literally zero. The narrative is still complete inact- is still completely inaccurate and clueless. Because, you know, Glazer was saying, I'm fully vindicated. See, I told you. Well, you told us he was leaving. I'll give you credit there. But, you know, how you did it. Ezra from Brunch Boxing says PBC didn't get him. PBC didn't let him go because he wanted Jamal. They let him go because he never was going to fight Benavidez. Um, Fred said Glazer went from saying PBC pays fighters too much to congratulating himself because PBC allegedly doesn't want to pay Canelo $35 million for the fight that uh, they won't provide return on the investment. It is funny because... And I knew it would happen. Like I said, even if they did, you know, even if he did sign the fight, the Charlo fight, and they gave it to him, they would just shit on the fight. But like I said, if you're celebrating a Berlanga fight on pay-per-view, that shows you, dude. Um, This is Ring News 24. It said negotiations are underway. I think we've read this before. Sam Goodman. Uh, negotiations to bring uh, Inuit to Australia. Uh, so that that's kind of interesting, man. Goodman's a solid, you know, fighter. Um, J. Rowe, if, if I ran a platform and Canelo came up to me and told me Berlanga is an option, then my reaction would be, well, good luck in the future and endeavors and get the fuck out of my office, clown. I mean, okay. Um, Ernesto says a Mexican has the huge upper hand when it comes to boxing, and it hurts many. I hope there's there comes a time when Mexicans rule boxing. By the way, this Mexican is called Canelo, and today he cuts the cake. Well, yeah, we all know he he, he chooses who he wants to who he wants to fight. Here's Dan Raphael. This is kind of funny to me. Um, he basically says, "I don't um, I don't know what Canelo is going to do for May 4th." And this was, but I'm assuming he won't fight Benavides, and I don't see Crawford being made. Either my preference would be Gia first, then Berlanga. Uh, I have no interest in Charlo at all. Now, I disagree. Berlanga and Charlo, I don't have interest in both those fights. To, to put him in, in front of him, I, I disagree with that. Um, so basically, Fernando, uh, who a lot of people were following, said Canelo does not accept another. Canelo threatened Al Heyman, the PBC. Otherwise, Charlo Otherwise, Charlo fight will not. Charlo will not fight. This is, okay, this is Canelo said, and he quotes, well, if it's not Jamal, then there's no May fight. That was a quote that they talked about. Broadway Joel says, Canelo's next choice of opponent is something we need to know ASAP. I honestly believe the long-term health of the sport depends on it. Now, he was talking about opponent, but I just disagree. J-Ro, Junto, 26-year-old. Uh, three-division champ. Haney, 25, two-division and undisputed. Bam, 24, two-division champ, undisputed. Three guys entering their prime, but put in uh, work before hitting their prime. 
boxing is in a great shape with these three. Yeah, those three are really doing a lot of damage. Um, oh, this is what um, Dan Raphael says. There, there wouldn't be remotely close to 15 million upside on that fight. He's talking about Ben and Gervonta. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I have to admit, like, I don't know. I agree with that. I, I don't see that being a huge, huge pay-per-view thing. I really don't. I don't see that being a pay-per-view name um, or a, a fight that would do a million or something like that, or even 800,000 buys. I mean, for him to make $25 million, um, I don't know. Here's another J. Rose Sampson guy that I will never believe anything he says. I can't blame him there. I cannot blame him. Um, someone sent me this video from Fight Height. Um, oh, Bozy Ennis says Jared Ennis stops Crawford. Uh, okay, sure. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. Here's some good news for the UK. Shout out to the UK. That Taylor Catterall rematch is sold out. What do you know? You put a good fight that people will get behind, and I, and I, and I guess. People will buy the tickets. What do you know? What do you know? You know? I love it. It looks like that Madrimov and Kurbanov will fight March 8th in Saudi uh, for the 154 WBA. So that could be a good fight. That definitely. Uh, Robert Garcia Boxing, they're talking about, uh, you know, Murtaya moved up two spots, number two in the new WBC rankings. That's what said the only guy ranked above uh, Raymond is uh, a guy who's actually going the IBF route. We will 100% be ready if the call comes from top rank. Hell yeah, Martaya. Do that. Do that, Martaya. Let's do that fight. That would be a good fight. I like that fight. Uh, and Stevenson I'm talking about. Now here's what, okay, so here's what Reynoso, I forgot to do this quote. Um, Reynoso in an interview said he recalled that there has been cases in which big fights either take a long time to, to, you know, to take place or never get done. The fight with Benavides may take a while or maybe never happen, but it depends on many things. There were fights that never took place. He mentioned the, the Lewis and Bo, uh, Chavez Norris, Morales Marquez. None of them stopped from being a Hall of Famer. Definitely he's a Hall of Famer. Anybody saying he's not a Hall of Famer, stop it. Um, and then he said, you know, other fights took a long time, like Mayweather and Pacquiao. So that, to me, that just doesn't sound like he, they want to make the fight right away. You know what I mean? Um, Leonard Elby making fun of criticizing the move to putting Haney and Ryan in New York and then bewildered why people mentioned Tank Rowley and Wilder Lewis, or Hellenius. Yeah, that, that was some silly shit. I'd have to agree with that because, uh, like I said, I understand, you know, um, I get it. I get that it's probably not the best fight to sell there. It could sell better in Vegas and whatnot. But if you think about it, dude, you know, like Canelo's fighting. So you're not going to – they're not going to fight at two weeks before it. So – and by the way, uh, I think it was the Boxing Voice and some other outlet said that Haney and Garcia was free with your subscription and not on pay-per-view. That's not true. 
it's free to the world, you know, it's free to the world, but it's not free here. Chava also talked about Juan Estrada and Bam Rodriguez. They're progressing well. The, the talk of a potential fight um, for Estrada's WB Super Flyweight June and July. I don't know if he's going to take, you know, a, a fight or whatever. But, yeah, that, that tell, tell me about it. Oscar said um, Garcia and Haney can always fight in Vegas and sell out the arena together. They will sell out New York and market themselves coast-to-coast star American boxing. You know, I, I like it. Uh, Ezra says, anti-PBC people. PBC makes shit fights and overpaid fighters. PBC, PBC tried to make a good fight and not overpay for trash fight. Anti-PBC people. They're broke and don't want to give Canelo what he wants. I do remember a scenario where Canelo, for the plant fight, remember it got delayed a little bit because Canelo wanted his full guarantee even if Plant doesn't fight because of injury? And they said, nah, dude. And he said, all right, I'm done. But then he came back and did the fight. So it is what it is, man. Um, Jana Beck and Shiraz in 2024. Huh? Shiraz is the new number one challenger in the WBA rankings. He overtook Eubank Jr. It is, it's expected to be called as a Mando at some point this year. Sign me up for that fight. I love it. I love it. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. That's enough of this stuff. Uh, enjoy the fights. Like I said, I think we're going to get a hell of a fight in that main event. And who knows? You know, like I said, Serrano's always worth watching. Anyway, I'm out. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when, as you fight, let's say you fight for five years of straight survival or 